Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. It is one minute and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of May, the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Uh, thank you for joining us today. It is 503-228-4101 if you would like to be part of today's radio extravaganza. 503-228-4101. Uh, you can also email us if you like. It is rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at kufo.com. Tim at kufo.com. Or nibbler at kufo.com. Uh, coming up later on the day, we'll have a CNN radio correspondent, James Roop from Los Angeles, as they get ready to send Phil Spector off to the pokey forever and ever. Uh, Aaron Duran will join us from geekinthecity.com. Uh, he'll have a review of the new Sam Raimi film, Drag Me to Hell. Uh, what else? Oh, we got a final copy of that uh, new Chuck Palahniuk book, Pygmy. We'll be giving that uh, away today. That is at uh, 503-228-4101. Not now, though. Uh, later on. That'll be uh, sometime uh, before 8 o'clock. We'll Don't do we that. play that song a lot here? Pygmy. Oh, no, that's enough. <laughs> Every day I think you'll run out of pygmy jokes, and every day I am pleasantly surprised to find that Even you have not. Even at this time of the morning. Well done, Tim. Tim, you've got to replace pig with rape in that scenario, I think. Don't replace pig with rape. But we do our best all the time here. You never know who's listening. It's wrong to always replace anything. It, it, nothing should be replaced with rape. That's not like... Rape isn't like Folger's crystals where you can slot it in at I the end. I assumed he was talking about rape me. Oh, boy. I think we were. I was. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was. I said, agree with your answer. Yeah, because he said pygmy. Right, yeah. So I said replace the pig with the rape. Don't replace anything with rape, is my point. That's a bad. That is not the way to, to win friends and influence Nirvana people. Nirvana might disagree, Rick. I understand your point. Yes, I got the reference. It's 503 228 Your uh, uh, toll-free number is 1-800-344-KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. So that is uh, that is all in the way. And uh, as I think we just heard a few minutes ago on a recorded announcement that played uh, over the top of that Nirvana song, we got a lot of response to the uh, the Don Rawich interview, so you can hear that at KUFO.com anytime. It is archived alongside the other interview segments we've done and uh, all the podcasts and similar and so forth. So that's it. Uh, KUFO.com, anytime, day or night. There we go. In the news with Tim Riley. Well, good morning, everyone. It is 5.04, and it's going to be a beautiful sunny weekend. High is going to be the 80s today and tomorrow, and cool off and only be in the 70s by Sunday and Monday. The little girl who was rescued from the Willamette River after her mother allegedly pushed her off the bridge is going home to her dad in Eugene. Prosecutors call the mother's actions revenge after losing custody of the girl and her brother who drowned. Yes, it's lost hiker season. There were two more lost hiker now found. Search and rescue crews found them. They use cell phone messages to make it easier to trace them. They're in the Salmon Butte area. They only had enough food for two days. Say, so here's good news. 
The Oregon National Guard building project in Clackamas, costing $74 million, will generate 800 direct construction jobs and 525 indirect ones. This building is going to be huge, 250,000 square feet. That is big, 250,000 square feet. It's going to house more than 1,300 Oregon National Guardsmen and Army Reservists. Construction begins June 2nd. It'll be completed by August of 2011. That crumbling castle in the West Hills? It's coming down. Originally built in 1931. Yes, it's a real castle. The problem is, old castles use better materials. They use construction stuff from 1931, and now it's falling down. What kind of a castle are we talking about? It's an English castle. I don't know that anything in the West Hills is actually English, but what do you mean when you say it's a, an English castle? It looks like an English castle. But where? I mean, but where is this? What? In the West Hills. <laughs> How many times can we use the same four words in different combinations? Where in the West Hills is this, and what purpose does it serve? At the, but this isn't like the, that hamburger place you were talking about. No, no, no. Well, the hamburger place is not a castle. It's is a cinder a... block building. <laughs> I guess those are two different things. <laughs> it, so It may be called a hamburger castle. But is this a place where somebody lives, or is it just sort of a... Somebody had lived. It, uh, it was built in 1931. It was built just like an English castle. It's, uh, it was modeled after the former Canterbury Castle in England. And it was the first to be built of stone. Now, this version has a copper-top turret, a basement pool, closed decades after it began leaking. It has a, a tiny square windows and tile floors. It's listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It has Art Deco tiles in the nook. It adds a warm flavor to the house. The stone on top of the fireplace is approximately 10 feet in width and is believed to have taken six men to put it in place. So is this like this is like the London Bridge being in, in Arizona. This is one of those things. Yes. The, it's 6,000 square feet. Does somebody live there at the moment or is it empty? Uh, it is empty. All right. The uh, current owner bought the castle for $280,000, which is a bargain, in April. After the bank foreclosed on it, and uh, stone by stone, what's happening is these huge boulders are snapping off and rolling down a hill <laughs> where people are driving by. I guess that's so not... It, it is causing concern. That's not really a plus for that neighborhood, I would imagine. And so far, he's been fined $20,000. Jesus. For the problems. All right. So uh, they wanted to list it for sale for $2 million, but who wants to buy a, a crumbling <laughs> castle that Which... has... Stonemasons hated it because it was a caricature of a castle. It strikes me as a Hollywood thing. See, that's want. when you started describing, you said there was a castle on the West Hill, so I couldn't quite get my brain around it, because I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh. Is there a photograph of, yeah. of, of the castle? Well, what's left of it, all the uh, the boulders are falling off the side of it. Because I don't think I've ever... Oh, wow. It's a real castle. Where in the West Hills is it? How, uh, how is it that I never knew this was there? Well, you don't drive to the West Hills very often, do No, you? I suppose... They don't suppose have castles in Southeast. No, they, no, they don't, Tim. Just... No. Um, I don't have the exact street listing. For this. You know, it's just as well because if because look, let's be honest. If large pieces of boulder are snapping off and rolling down the hill from this thing, it's probably something I'd like to stay far away from. All right. So, and we're and are they gonna they're just gonna destroy? They're gonna take yeah. it down piece by mm-hmm. piece. I think they would have to though because I'm looking at this. Steel cables are holding the walls in place during this demolition. <laughs> That's it's like when you drive through the gorge and you just see. Um, Especially if you are driving into Washington, you will see on your on the right hand side where they've just taken just big swaths of cement, and it looks like they're trying to hold those rock walls together as you're driving through. And and that's right after you pass those signs that say "Careful, tumbling rocks," and it just it's like all they can do to keep the mountain from collapsing onto the roadway. Well, I remember uh, back in New Hampshire 
We had, the state symbol was the old man of the mountain. It was a, a man's head on the side of a mountain, and that was held together for like a decade with cables. They would just add another cable because it was crumbling. All of a sudden, they didn't have enough cables to hold the old man together. People woke up one morning, where's the old man of the mountain? It crashed up the side of the mountain. the bottom of the hill in a pile of dust. So they said, what are we doing? Well, let's make one out of paper mache and just stick it up there. <laughs> Just to make people happy, and that hasn't happened yet. Let's just get a gobo and project one on the side of a hill. So the good news about this is a lot of the things that they're taking out of this castle, they're taking apart piece by piece. A lot of the interior things, like the woodwork, are going to end up at the rebuilding center. Do you know where that is on Mississippi? No. We can buy I go to this place all the time because I my rental is an older home. I want everything to match. So if I want doors or something for the 1940s, this is where I go to get it. So everything matches. These are vintage building supplies and uh, right. house no matter, accessories. I mean, old toilets from like the early 1900s. It's, <laughs> if you want stuff, bathtubs with feet. So this is old but, windows that you can't find anyplace else. The, and he, At we bargain have, prices. Greg says the castle is on Fairview Drive, not far from the Rose Garden. Okay. All right. So so there you go. Not I mean, and this is presumably that not not the actual not the the Rose Garden uh, uh, auditorium, but this the Rose, is, Gar- uh, the Rose Garden in the West Hills. Yeah, the actual the Garden of Roses. All right. So there you go. So it just you know, FYI, apparently the thing is falling apart into. I was going to say into little pieces, but not so much little pieces as it is no, no, massive boulders that are then rolling down the hill. And let's see, the stones from this will end up at a masonry company in Vancouver, where all. Junk from every place ends up anyway. It's just one big pile. Excellent. So do beware. But that was a bargain for 280000 but he ended up with a lemon. Oh, by the way, speaking of uh, stones uh, going downhill, so I've got more audio from the rock-throwing couple uh, in, uh, in Lakewood, Lakeview, whatever it is. It's just outside of Tacoma. Lakewood. That's really all you need to know. And we also have, we talked about that, That uh, well, it's become a national story, the Aloha McDonald story. Yeah. About the uh, people that didn't get the orange juice in their order, so they called 911. But... There was also a 911 call from the people at McDonald's complaining about the people coming back to allegedly cause problems. So we'll have that later. Excellent. All right. Straight ahead, CNN and Radio. Bo Breedlove news, too. And, too and, news. and news from the mayor and Bo Breedlove on the same day as if they planned it that way. Are the, uh, are the stories related to one another? No, they are not. But we put them together because they belong there. <laughs> like how Hugh Hefner's tombstone is right next to Marilyn Monroe's. Yeah, All exactly. Right. They are just... Just like Hugh Hefner and Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> joined, joined for all eternity, Tim. Straight ahead, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum will join us to talk about Maybe we'll get to hear him selling more stock, like in real time over the phone today. Uh, Jim Roop will join us from Los Angeles later on as they send Phil Spector away forever and ever and ever. Uh, Jay Leno's final show today. Uh, also, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins will talk to us about the, that the Supreme Court nominee woman. It is the Rick Everson Show. It's 503-228-4101. Here's the Stone Temple Pilots on Rock 101 KUFO on Friday. The Rick Emerson Show. Available anytime, anywhere. Visit KUFO.com right now. This is Rick Emerson Show. We are live in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's 503-228-4101. Tim, it says here the castle's previous owner found that the home brought her nothing but ecstasy and heartbreak by turns. Yes. That's the way castle life is. <laughs> As read in modern castle. Can I just... Okay, I wasn't going to say this, but I have to because clearly the problem isn't going to remedy itself. 
I'm being distracted by this massive cow lick that you've got on the back of your head, Tim. I didn't want to say anything about it because I thought it, maybe that would just work itself out during the break. It ha- is it from my <laughs> no, headphones? you've made it so much worse. I wow. don't even see it. Where is it? Oh, it's it that you've got this. You, oh, is this, it a different angle? You, you have become, at this moment, Jay North from Dennis the Menace. Oh, no. It's awesome. Now I feel very self-conscious. Oh, man. Now I want to leave. Now I, <laughs> now I almost don't want you to adjust it. Now I just want it to stay there, and then I want to find Where? an elderly neighbor Where? for you to torment. Where? <laughs> it's, um, Sarah, come over here. Would you the, the, come, the, just come stand, uh, and then we'll get to a scene of radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum in one moment. Now, he's moved it just a little bit. Now, look look over that way, Tim. Do you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, I'm very self-conscious. Where is it? <laughs> is it there? Oh, I I think I found it. Whoa! What the hell was that? Why did that just happen? That sounded know. like Ozzy. <laughs> it was Ozzy. Why did that just? What is going on today? I don't know. Today is crazy. Things aren't playing when they're supposed to play. They're, they're playing, playing when, when they're, they're not. not. Tim's got a massive cow lick on the back of his head. Now I want to go home and start the whole day over. <laughs> it's Friday. Now I'm gonna shave my head. Let's welcome down to the ring. From New York City. I'm going to go fix this. Okay. CNN Radio Correspondent, the stars, Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How are you today? Morning. How you doing? I'm uh, I'm fantastic. And relatively speaking, I'm having a good hair day. I mean, it all depends on who you stand next to, I suppose. It's pretty embarrassing when you have a calic and you don't realize it and everybody else does. Uh, but see here, it wasn't everybody else. It was just me, I think. And there's only like, I mean, let's be honest. There's only like four people in the building at this point anyway. And I was, I think, the, I think I was the only one who could see it. It was because I was at exactly the right angle. And I saw it during the first segment that we just did. And Tim was sort of doing his news. And do you, think, you know what it is? It's like when somebody has a piece of spinach between their teeth and part of you is listening to the story about their mother-in-law that you don't really care about. But you're sort of trying to be invested in the story and listen to pay attention and respond appropriately. But the other part of your brain is just going, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if I wonder when they go to use the, the restroom, if they look in the mirror and see the broccoli and, you know, the spinach or take it out of their teeth. I don't know. I mean, if it's still here later, am I going to have to point it out? I can't let them go through the rest of their day with that in their teeth. Maybe if I say I have something in my teeth. Then they'll become conscious of their own teeth, and they'll realize there's some food there and take, boy, it's huge. I can't believe how big of a piece of spinach that is between their teeth. And so that's sort of what it was for the whole first segment. And then I sort of anticipated that during the break, it would uh, would resolve itself. I swear to God, we're not still talking about your hair, Tim. Um, that it would resolve itself, and then it didn't. So I felt that I had to say I'm something. I'm disappointed. It's not all about me. <laughs> yeah. well, I, now, see, I, now you're back to your normal flawlessness, Tim. All right. Hello, Steve. I, How are you today? I empathize with Tim because I get those all the time. Yeah, so. no, well, see, and so do I. I mean, I got this weird, thatchy, bad uh, hair that is always just jutting out in every direction. But I'm just saying those things are a rarity for Tim Riley because uh, normally, uh, you know, normally every hair is in place perfectly quaffed. So yeah. it's, uh, you know, I, I feel like it's my obligation, my duty to point out when, Shameful. when, when, when something has gone awry in a follicular sense. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of uh, things going awry, I'm unclear about whether when not like GM was going to be declaring bankruptcy like, I don't know, like two, three, four days ago? And then they managed to stave it off. But now but now it's back on again. Is somebody somebody just is there some sort of a financial coin flipping that's happening somewhere every day where they decide if today is the day they just flush the whole thing? It's pretty much looking like it's going to happen on Monday. Uh, they made a, a new offer to bondholders uh, concerning restructuring the debt and told them in addition uh, to getting stock, uh, they would have the option to buy more stock, 15% of GM stock at a low price. And the main stock, uh, bondholders, the, the bigger ones, they have agreed to this new deal. So now it's up to the remaining bondholders to say whether or not they'll do that. 
Uh, but it's really, at this point, not, not with the intent of staving off bankruptcy. Rather, it's just uh, easier for them to restructure the, the debt now before they go into bankruptcy court than having to do it under a judge's ruling. Well, so here's a question. Uh, things, as Howard Beale once said, things are bad. Everybody knows that. But are things is the bankruptcy going to make anything worse at this point, or is it just sort of, in other words, the, 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 the negative financial impact of General Motors and their current situation on the economy when they finally flip the switch and go into bankruptcy, is that somehow going to uh, going to exacerbate the problem, or is it already just sort of as bad as it's going to get? It's pretty bad, and, and it's hard to imagine it getting any worse. But uh, the, the whole point of bankruptcy is to enable uh, GM to pretty much shut down their operations and, and, and do a full telling of what's going on within the company to a judge. And then they have to go through a restructuring plan with the government, and the judge has to approve basically every step that they want to take. And it'll probably involve shutting down some production lines permanently, letting go some employees, uh, at least for a long-term period, and uh, doing away with a lot of dealerships across the country that uh, are deemed not profitable enough or not profitable at all. And it's, it's an opportunity for them to do this without their creditors pestering them for payments, really. Well, and that's the thing, because the bankruptcy sort of officially says, I mean, that's where they kind of just, they just cut the cord and say, uh, look, I, I know we owe you lots and lots of money, but uh, you're not going to get any of that. But in exchange, uh, would you like this piece of moldy bread that I found underneath the sofa? I mean, that's, that's sort of what it is. Like, they're not going to get, the creditors probably aren't going to get any, any of the money that they are owed, but they will, in exchange, get to own a huge chunk of a company that apparently can't make any money. So, And you pretty much just summed up what the situation is for the American public, because yes. we will now have a huge stake in that company, because we're probably not going to get paid back the tens of billions of dollars the U.S. government has sunk into GM now. Oh, that's great. Maybe we can buy a huge stake in a company that makes Betamax VCRs. Hmm? <laughs> We just find a whole list of obsolete and you you know obsolete and useless things that we can buy. We just uh, you know you can go go find that company in Yugoslavia that's still cranking out those Yugo cars under that different name, and we can uh, you know we can just add that to the list of things that we will be the uh, the owners of. All right. Well, you know the good the good thing about GM is that their divisions in Germany are are pretty profitable. They'll, they'll probably sell off Opel, and uh, that'll help them out financially. Uh, they're they're doing very well in China. So there are a lot of things that could help pull GM through this and, and help them be a stronger company on the uh, on on the other end. I'll uh, I'll keep I'll keep that in mind as I reminisce about you frantically hitting the sell button on your uh, on your stock uh, interface yesterday on your uh, PC while we were talking. All I right. no longer have any shares of GM. <laughs> And that sort of is the most telling thing of all. I mean, really, that that one sentence right there kind of sums it up better than better than anything else. Mm. Have a, a fantastic weekend, Steve. We'll talk to you next week, sir. So long. There we go, Steve Kastenbaum, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. Hello, Tim Riley. What stories are we working on uh, today? Well, several. And thank you for asking. Wipe that smile off your face. Oregon's DMV wants you to stop smiling for your new driver's license photos. We'll tell you why. Pythons invade Florida. Rihanna will take the stand against Chris Brown. And Adam Lambert and Chris Allen say people need to settle down about this AT&T scandal. Fantastic. All right, that is Straight Ahead News with Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Show right here on Rock 101. KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. Jesus, sweet God almighty. I used up all my mouth today. Visit the Rick Emerson Show at KUFO.com. 
Fantastic. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO on Friday. Oh, this is the part of the show where I tearfully explain that we will have no Seth MacFarlane interview today. Oh, very sad. And not by any fault of our own. Yeah. What can we do? So... So that sucks. So, uh, it, yeah, we got off the air uh, yesterday and took care of some other things, and then I was uh, kind of hanging around waiting. Because the, the deal was we were going to be taping the interview yesterday and playing it back today. And it was going to be at, like, 10.50, and then it was going to be at 11, and then it was going to be at 11.50, and it became... And the, the only solace I really have is that it wasn't just us that got screwed out of the interview. It was sort of uh, everybody. Because, you know, they do these junkets where you sit down in a room... Like if you're Seth MacFarlane or whoever, you just sit down, you have a headset on, and they just, you know, they just rack up radio stations like 15 in a row, and he just takes about three hours and knocks out a whole series of interviews. And he ended up, anyway, something else came up, and uh, and so everything sort of got bumped, and everything got postponed further, and everything got delayed longer, and then finally they were just like, this isn't going to happen today, so we're sorry, goodbye. And that sucks, gone. we had so many good questions ready, too. Yes, we did. Well, I've filed them away for the next time. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 539. It is going to be a sunny weekend. 80s today and tomorrow, 70s by Sunday. The state legislature has come up with a plan to provide medical insurance to 80,000 kids and 50,000 low-income adults. How are they going to do this? They're making a deal with the medical industry to raise new taxes on hospital revenues and establish a new tax on health insurance premiums to pay for this. Why can't we do this nationally? Well, they haven't tried this yet, but this is the plan. And and, uh, the Republicans who all have insurance want to make sure that this issue is uh, voted on by the general public instead of being implemented by the Democrats who are ruling the state right now. A woman has fallen 150 feet while taking a potty break along an Oregon highway. 19-year-old Whitney Long was driving around with her friends saying she has to go, and now... Let's find a cliff immediately. They pulled over by the side of the road. Well, now 19-year-old Whitney Long is sure to be embarrassed forever, (laughs) if not for the weekend. After her friends did pull over so she could relieve herself in the bushes, into the bushes she went. She lost her balance and tumbled down 150 feet. That is fantastic. Well, it took rescuers several hours to untangle her from all the brush she fell into. To make matters worse, now Whitney and her friends have been ticketed for underage drinking. That's great. And plus, here's the thing. Where was this at? Uh, it says here, let's see. Because a small town in Oregon. I'm not big enough to even know. <laughs> they actually a place that doesn't have outdoor restaurants. They're, they're in the, they're in line to get a name. So she they pull over by the side of the road. She because she's got to go because they've been underage drinking all day. She, I mean, they, they don't have a bridge to throw rocks off of. This this town is so small. <laughs> they're still waiting they for the rocks delivery game yet. So she's. By the side of the road, she loses her footing. She falls 150 feet. She finds herself tangled in the brush, and then the man has got to come rescue her. Uh-huh. And by the way, if she was sufficiently tangled that she couldn't actually get her way back up the hill, you know she wasn't able to put her pants back on. Exactly. So imagine falling 150 feet with your pants down uh-huh. and then ending up, quote, tangled in some brush. Uh-huh. And having some burrs in your nether regions. Yes. Yes, Tim. It's like having a bee in your bonnet, but it's... Not a bonnet, and they're not bees. That's excellent. Well, then there's the feisty Washington State woman who put up quite a fight after being pulled over following a high-speed chase on I-84. She's driving 100 miles an hour and finally rolls her car and gets out unhurt. Uh, She's still in good enough shape to uh, kick the officer in the face after you put her in the back of the cruiser. Her charges include DUI speeding and assaulting a police officer. Please tell me there was a tasing that followed immediately afterward. No tasing. You know, there's never a tasing of the people you want. And here's the other thing. 
the people that seem like they shouldn't be impervious to, to damage, they really are the ones who always are. Like this woman who's speeding 100 miles an hour and, and then rolls, rolls, the rolls her car and just gets out sort of... Knocks uh, yourself off. Yeah, just gets Steve Austin style. Give uh, me a cigarette. Without, without a scratch, totally. Uh, I'm going to go belly up to the saloon. You can arrest me there. So uh, Adam Lambert and Chris Allen say people need to settle down about this AT&T scandal, which apparently they, they gave fans of uh, Chris Allen to text things, and they didn't give it to his fans. So they all agree on one thing. I rolled my eyes, actually, when I heard about it. I think people are just looking for something to be dramatic about. I think yeah. um, it was a coincidence that these people worked for AT&T. They were just excited about voting. They were like, oh, this is how you do it. You know, I, I really think people need to relax yeah. and just accept that yeah. this is the way that the, the vote went. Um, we're really excited. We're not we move. about it. Yeah, we're I guess I'd care more if I could tell either of them apart, but I can't. It's just, the, I guess you have to see them to tell them apart. One big wash of mouth the one breathing. talking, the one that looks like a lady? Yes. Okay. He, the, he looks like Liza Minnelli. Looks like he's, a, looks like he's right at a cabaret. So th- I guess the deal is that a bunch of AT&T ploy- employees have these phones that let you do super texting, which is where you can do like 10 at once or something. Um, and I so have a, I have a constant need for such things. They, constantly, Tim. And so they, but the AT and T folks had gone to some sort of gathering or series of gatherings where they had all these phones where it was like every text message you sent equaled ten. Right. The only here's the the reason that it becomes such an issue, I think, is because I guess the American Idol uh, folks don't reveal the actual numbers in the voting. In other words, they'll say who won, and I think yes. they give percentages, but they don't ever actually say. Uh, they don't actually say what the vote was, which is why people then be- immediately become uh, suspicious because they think, well, if the vote was so close, which I guess it was, if the vote, if they were only separated by you know a relative handful, then they start to think that there's a chicanery afoot. Here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. Uh, uh, Lambert says that Clay Aiken can ride his coattails if he wishes to do so. Do you think maybe it's because you're not as mainstream, didn't appeal to uh, as many people who? Uh, you know, America? maybe I don't know. <laughs> I, really, I really don't know. You know, whatever happens, always happens for a reason. Well, that's the wait a minute. And who was that? Was that, that Adam was Lambert? Lambert again? Yeah, saying Clay Aiken can quote ride his coattails. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. This is after Clay Aiken said that listening to Adam Lambert made his ears bleed, which is fantastic. Which he then How do you tried make to your ears stop from bleeding. I don't know. And here's the other thing: if you're Clay Aiken. It was just a source of constant fascination to me. If you're Clay Aiken, how do you say listening to Adam Lambert made my ears bleed and then the next day say that that quote was taken out of context and didn't really mean what it appeared to mean? There was this awesome soundbite of Clay Aiken somewhere. I don't even remember what it was. It was, on, it, was on the, it was on the TV somewhere where he was just, I mean, just just digging with both hands, just trying to get himself out from underneath it because I think he understands that America has fully embraced Adam Lambert and all that that implies. And it looks like Susan Boyle from uh, Britain's Got Talent. Now, this is kind of amazing. This show is not even seen here. More people have seen these clips online than they would in the native country. It just goes to show how irrelevant television is becoming yes. to people's viewing habits. Anyway, so she won't stay out of the news, and uh, Susan uh, Boyle is now cracking under the pressure, or the British tabloids would like you to believe that. I, I just want to apologize for, because of the way we, we treated you before you sang the first time. You've made me and everyone else look very stupid, and I'm very happy for you, very proud of you. I know nothing. I know nothing. So that was the first time that she was on. And apparently she's made the semifinals and doing all kinds of crazy things. And this is the thing where they were kind of prodding her outside of her hotel, but it wasn't... You know, the TMZ type of thing. But see... They're going to stab you with things and, until you react. Hey, you're a douche! Who was they were calling a douchebag? What was the, who was this, the, 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 the celebrity that the TMZ guys were, were saying was a douche? Oh, and they, who was that? That was a couple of days ago. They were kind of provoking him. I can't remember show that for him back. Sarah Dillon? I'm sorry? She can't remember either. So it was... Anyway, but it was somebody like that where... Uh, and I guess... 
Susan Boy was the same thing where I thought it was just sort of people that were doing it like it was the guys who were working at the hotel. But apparently when she finally snapped yesterday, I guess it was it was actually the press, which I was unclear because the story initially made it seem like it was just like the bellboy or somebody Mm -hmm. like he was sort of like, uh, where would you like your bags, miss? F you. And which is, I think, maybe not. Not the way that it came down, but they've sort of got that to a fine a fine art over there. They've uh, they they've really raised the uh, they've raised the the science of celebrity provocation just to uh, just to I mean it's the most rarefied uh, um, stage. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley at the news desk. You know we haven't heard from Pat Buchanan lately. He's a conservative columnist, and I am poorer for it, Tim. Well, Pat is complaining, and possibly justly so. That uh, President Obama couldn't come up with one white man to add to his list of nominees for a Supreme Court justice. You got down to four women, not a single white male, all women, and then we're going to pick... Did it ever family. occur to you, Pat, that maybe there weren't any white men who were qualified? Yes. No, it did not occur to me. That, <laughs> you mean there are no white males qualified? That is an, That would be an act of bigotry to make a statement like that. In and the past, you, there have been no women that have been qualified. They certainly have been qualified in the past. Who uh, is that he's talking with? It, it sounds like one of the gals on The View. It, it does, but I can't, I mean, it, it sounded a little bit like Katie Couric, but it's not because Katie Couric does that. She's busy with her dates with Larry King, <laughs> telling him he can't come in because her roommate oh, is Oh, I'm there. sorry. I, I, no, I can't. I can't come in. Dead mother. No, I'm sorry. You can't. And I'm washing my hair. And I have a roommate. I, uh, no. I'm it, sorry. It's amusing, but I don't know if it's true. I kind of hope it's true, but the, I believe it isn't. The Larry King, Katie yeah. Couric story? Yeah. You mean, you know... Well, let's be, let's let's just take these things one at a time. Let's back up and start with Katie Couric, and we'll end with Pat Buchanan. All right. Do you do you disbelieve that they went on a date, or do you disbelieve that it? Do you believe they went out, but it wasn't a date, or do you believe that the entire story is perhaps fabricated? I don't believe she believed it was a date. Larry may have believed it was a date. So you're thinking that? Uh, okay, I understand. So they, you think they that, may have gone out to to uh, share a luncheon together, or that they went or to a some drink sort after of work, a, or perhaps an industry event of some yeah, kind. Or, perhaps or it took yeah. shores that knocked a couple down. Some sort of news, uh, sort of a gathering of broadcast. I colleagues. would imagine they've been in the same room on numerous occasions. Yes. You write about going out with Katie Kirk a couple of years ago in Washington, and you say, and I quote, page one twenty seven. She invited me back to her apartment. I remember thinking, this could be good. This could be good. This could be good. We had How'd that work out? Wonderful time. Worked out terribly <laughs> because she had a roommate. And I think the roommate was Wendy Walker, who oh, is really? now my executive producer. Uh-huh. But when we got to the door, and I like Katie, we, we've been friends over the years, and she was really pretty, still is. And we get to the door, and she just turned around and said, kiss me on the cheek, I think. And, I said, well, well, can I come in? Well, I have a roommate. Yeah, she's washing her pantyhose Windy in the bathroom. She wasn't there that night. <laughs> and he did the greatest little facial gesture here. Um, <laughs> when, when Larry King says, if she wasn't there that night, and then he does that Groucho Marx bobbing of the eyebrows, sort of like a bada-bing. Um, uh, it's I wonder what Katie Couric's reaction would be to see, that. That's my thing. Don't, like, don't you want to find Katie you Couric? Think she and- should respond at the end of her newscast. I'd like to address rumors that uh, Larry King tried to hump me. Uh, exactly. No one wants to be alluded to like that. Like Larry King, especially. And he says a few years ago, by which point she was already a jillionaire. So the idea that she was a, you know, that, that she was rooming with somebody, you know, like she was going to boarding school, that's a little implausible. Anyway, uh, dressing up in schoolgirl clothes together. Katie Couric and Larry King? No, her roommate. Okay. Uh, so on the Pat Buchanan thing, I don't know who he's talking to there, but... Uh, where has he been, though? Has he been? I mean, I sort of assumed he was just not at the public because he's busy writing a book or something. Because he seems to—he's one of those guys that he's like Susie Orma, where he just cranks out a book about every six months. 
But they've just had that weird mushroom-headed sister of his out there doing everything. Uh, Bay Buchanan. Oh, she's such a hard. Oh, well, and she's just shrill and 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 just lacks any of the sort of depth or substance that he has. Um, they have the same last name. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing about Pat Buchanan. Watching Pat Buchanan is like watching that what does name that William Donahue guy from the Catholic League who's always on CNN just turning red in the face and looking like he's about to have some sort of an embolism. Well, they're like you know old Archie Bunker characters from the last century. But I mean, they really I'm mean, and they you know it, here's the thing about Pat Buchanan. Pat Buchanan is to today's modern pundits like you take like a uh, like Ann Coulter or like a, a Michelle Malkin type. Pat Buchanan is sort of the T eight hundred to their T one thousand. Uh, where they've they've sort of learned to they've become a little bit more media savvy and a little bit more uh, uh, a little, they've got a little more photogenic a little more telegenic over the years. Pat Buchanan is kind of the original model though, where he would just sort of get on television. And he just and he just opens his mouth and just this floodgate of uh, of just berating uh, language comes out. But in that in that really sort of in that sort of uh, in that kind of uh, that that what I would call a sort of Ivy League. Uh, way but filtered through like this Bill O'Reilly kind of aggression. So so Pat Buchanan's kind of the original prototype there. So anyway. And there you go. Let's do uh, one more and we'll take a, a break and get caught up on the other side. All right. First of all, we're going to go to a spelling bee later. So put on your thinking cap. We're going to be spelling some words. Done and done. Rihanna will take the stand against Chris Brown in a Los Angeles courtroom next month. Fantastic. Ooh. Her attorney says Rihanna has been called to testify against her ex-boyfriend and will comply at a June 22nd preliminary hearing. The announcement was made yesterday after uh, Brown's lawyer, Mark Garagos, who's... Is that the guy that bungled the OJ thing? He's everywhere. Yeah. Oh, Mark Garagos, that guy? Yeah. He is the male equivalent of, uh, what's her name? Gloria Allred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They should be together on some panel show. So anyway, that's what's going to happen. Excellent. All right. Straight ahead, we have uh, more news from Tim Riley at the news desk later on. We will talk to CNN radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen, as well as Jim Roop, who will be covering uh, the uh, Phil Spector trial. He is sentenced today. Aaron Duran will be reviewing Drag Me to Hell as well. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. KUFO Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 and KUFO. Thank you for coming along. It's Friday morning. It's 503-228-4101. Sometime within the next hour, sometime within the next 60 minutes, we'll give away a copy of the new Chuck Palahniuk book, Pygmy, ladies and gentlemen. That is uh, sometime within the next hour. Later on, we have uh, CNN Radio Correspondent Lisa Desjardins. She'll be here at 640. Uh, We'll talk to CNN Radio Correspondent Jim Rupert, 720, about Phil Spector, who is going to be uh, sent away forever and ever and ever. And we'll do... So we've got... Today, uh, that we have to wade through all this Leno stuff, and then Monday, which is the recap of, of his final show tonight, and then when does his 10 p.m. show begin? He doesn't go right into that on Monday, does he? I have no idea. See, me. See, here's the thing. Me either. I don't, don't care about Jay Leno. No, I, but don't you feel like, here's the thing, don't you feel like that's a story that even though you're not watching his show now, and you're not going to be watching his new show, that you feel like the the story about the move itself is big enough that you ought to kind of know what you're talking about? Because what? I feel the same way, and yet I don't. He's kind of like the Ryan Seacrest for the over 55. You know what he is? Jay Leno is just like a big glass of warm water to me. I mean, that's really what it is. He's just a big glass of room temperature tap water. I which I said, you know, which means that there's which certainly... Which fine. Yeah, I mean, you... uh, a lot of people like that kind of comfort in their lives. That's the sort of... You know, with some, with some bread for dipping. He's like prunes. He just keeps you regular. <laughs> yes, he does, Tim. Um, I got two things to say. Just one observation from Sarah, which I will then tie into this uh, this object I hold here in my hand. 
So we were noting that uh, the Tool song, is this coming up today in the 9 o'clock hour? It's going to be, and it smells like the 90s. So in the Smells Like the 90s uh, <laughs> hour today, which is uh, at 9 a.m. with our good friend Buzz, we're going to be playing a song by the band Tool. And I know there are many people who are huge fans of that band. I'm not really one of those people, but that's fine. Not everything has to be about Rick Emerson, what he likes. I will say that we can all agree on the fact that Stink Fist is a bad name for a song. That's just unpleasant. That just evokes, like, like bad images. Filth. It really does. It, it feels Bad Tim. personal sanitation. <laughs> that's exactly what I think, too. It's exactly. That's a whole lot of, well, I don't know. I guess I'll, uh, I guess I'll make do and then scrub it off later. Uh, that then reminds me of, and I totally forgot about this, Lisa, Lisa Wood had... had, had I said Lisa would have given me something yesterday, but uh, Lisa Wood had um, left a sort of a, a giveaway item on my desk because she thought I'd find it amusing, and I did, but I totally forgot to bring it in until Sarah said Stink Fist, and then I brought in this giveaway item. It is the Terminator Salvation. It's a, it's a toy for Terminator Salvation. It's a tie-in item, and it really is kind of, I mean, there's really no point to it except that in, on the front in huge letters, it just says Power Fist. Oh, my God. It's like the Power Glove, which but Which is fantastic, fist. but it's a fist. So... I just like having the word power fist written in big letters on a, on a toy that is given to children. So there you go. Uh, it's 503-228-4101. Let's pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. All righty. Mayor Adams does not want that pay raise after all. Let me repeat that. Mayor Adams does not want that pay raise after all. He's always thinking of the people, Tim. He could have made... $3,000 more a year, upping his salary to 121000 The city council gave its blessings to this 2.7% wage price increase to non-union employees. That would have included his honor and the council members themselves. Now, so far, nobody else has turned this down. We'll see if there's any continued public outrage as the rest of Portland wrestles with a 12.1% unemployment rate. So I got uh, three things to say. One... I mean, he must know that. The, I mean, see, I thought it was way more than that for some reason. I guess because I figured that being the mayor would pay more than 118 grand, which I mean, nothing to sneeze at. But I'm, I guess, I had it in my head that it was like 200 or something. There's just, I mean, that three thousand dollars a year that he would have made, which would have been taxed anyway. I mean, that wouldn't even have covered the PR person he would have needed to take care of the fallout from accepting money right now, which is really not a thing he should be doing. So I, you know, so it was shrewd of him to say no. Also. I mean, we talked about Sam Adams and, you know, some of the other uh, the upper echelon folks who were affected by this raise. But who when you say non-union employees, is it like every non-union employee for the city period? Mm -hmm. So it's like some guy cleans toilets somewhere. Yes, it's a two point eight percent wage increase for non-union employees. Okay, All right. Uh, And then the third thing I was going to say was, was there was there any sort of reason given for this? I mean, do they have some justification as to why they said it was fair because the union guys automatically got a raise due to the contracts? Oh, I see. So it's to keep parity. With, yes. with the guys who are in the city union. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. There's uh, Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I'm queuing up the, some some more audio from the Sex Me couple, by the way. Sex Me. <laughs> was that yet another rape me joke? No, it was not. Okay. I couldn't tell. All right. Oh, right. we do have uh, some media-related news, which will affect one of our friends. This will be the last day of K2's Noontime News Show, oh. which is usually anchored by our friend Carl Click. It is being replaced by some syndicated programming. So, and apparently, K2 has hired away uh, Dave Seleski of uh, KGW, mm-hmm. their weatherman, to replace Rod Hill. So, uh, uh, so 
All right. Well, I'm trying to keep all this straight in my head. So Dave Seleski replacing Rod Hill and then uh, some programming of a different nature, uh, which is going to be on at noon. Although Carl yeah, Click will presumably still be on in morning. I would imagine Carl will stay in the morning. Yeah, that is not affected. I mean, he's Carl Click. He can't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's an icon. He's a pillar. Yes. All right. And he, he was a number one voted news anchor in the city in the last Willamette week. That is right. Everybody loves Carl Click. Yes. All right. Let me uh, get this. Out. So this is from uh, this is from Como uh, TV in Seattle. This is from Amanda Madison. This is yes. This is additional audio about the sex me couple. And this is the couple that was standing on top of a, they were on a train trestle or on a, a bridge or something? It, it is a bridge spanning the overpass. And by the way, if you want to see a, uh, a picture of her, it's still up. You can go to uh, rickemerson.com, and it's the second uh, blog entry there. The first one is a, a direct link to the interview with the Oregon Trail guy. And then right below that, there's a photo of Amanda Madison who's uh, who's there uh, in the in court. So she's kind of wearing her jailhouse garb. So this is the Como guy, who's the reporter whose name I forget at the moment. Um but but they go to the jail and they interview Amanda Madison and her uh, and her boyfriend Josh. It was a holiday weekend gone bad for Amanda Madison. Now facing serious jail time for what she did. I don't want to be bailed out. Um, what I did was awful. Um, I just actually deserve to be in here. What she and accomplice Joshua Sizemore are accused of doing is throwing rocks off the train trestle over I-5 in Lakewood early Monday morning, hitting 14 vehicles. A passenger in one of the cars was hurt. I don't want leniency. I just want people to understand I didn't mean to hurt anybody. Sizemore let me just, and just, let me, this, that guy, that Josh Sizemore guy, her boyfriend, just my opinion here, which is protected by the he First Amendment. He sounds like he ought to be selling knives or rocks <laughs> on a television. That's the thing. As He looks like he ought to be, uh, he's sort of like third in charge at a pawn shop. That's what that guy looks like. Like, he doesn't own it, and he's probably not ever going to own it. But, but he's he, the weekend guy at the pawn shop. Exactly. And and he got it because, you know, and he got the gig at the pawn shop because his brother knew the guy who is the co-manager at the pawn shop. And he's just there for the summertime. Because he does know nothing about pumping gas. <laughs> He tried to get on one of them there uh, Alaskan fishing boats, but it turns out that you gotta you, you gotta have some sort of training for that, and he doesn't have time for no training. So he looks even greasier in this than he does in the story, which takes some doing because here because here's the th- and you get the sense that it's sort of that it's just sort of an inherent kind of greasiness that he has because an inner greasiness. It's, it's a greasiness of the soul because the mugshot of him. I mean, you can be forgiven for looking bad in a mugshot because, you know, you've been out all night or you've been drinking or whatever, and they, they grab you, they stick you in the back of a car, they take you to the jailhouse, they photograph you, they stick you in a cell. Here, he's shaved and has obviously been bathed to some degree, and yet still just has this sort of, it's a, just a patina of sleaze covering him. Sizemore says he was drunk when he and Madison went to the bridge at midnight at first to play a stripping game called Sex Me. The game? Uh, I saw a car. It's if a whole headlight's out and you have to say sex me. And then you take off a piece of clothing. I ended up losing. <laughs> so how far is sex me supposed to go? Says the reporter, barely concealing his lust. Just eye candy. Just for looks. Mm-hmm. It went as far as the cops showing up with me <laughs> in my bra and underwear. <laughs> In fact, in the State Patrol airplane surveillance video, you can see Madison running back to get her clothes. The troopers were called to the scene when the stripping game escalated into rock throwing. I was just throwing in my cars left and right. How are you doing that? I don't know. I was 
It's my idea. I never meant to hurt anybody. I wish I could tell them I'm sorry and have them believe me, you know? <laughs> wow. America's best and brightest, ladies and gentlemen. Tacoma, city of tomorrow. Maybe someday I'll get to play with Bristol Palin. That is just, it's, uh, I really can't uh, urge you strongly enough to go to, uh, to go to Como TV. Uh, dot com and watch that. Also, because and there's you, a whole state full of people just like that close by, and you get to see the the uh, the helicopter footage, which is great because I, I it's like and it, I think it was at night that this was happening. Yes. So they it, use the infrared camera. They use the infrared camera, but it's not like the infrared camera uh, like of old, like like the Terminator style, where it's all red and green. This is that thing where it's like a photo negative, where everything is gray, and then uh, like Amanda and uh, and uh, uh, and Joshua, her her man, they're like little white specks on the bridge. So you just see at one point this little white dot kind of look up at the helicopter and then run for its pile of clothing. It's just awesome. That's exactly how you want to be uh, immortalized on the Internet. Well done. Just like the woman who was squatting by the side of the road and then got tangled in some brambles or something. All right. Uh, let's do, uh, like, two more here, and then we will uh, take a break. Come back with more news. Turn that smile upside down. The Oregon DMV doesn't want you to smile too much for your next driver's license photo. A toothy grin? Well, that's a bit too much. See, a toothy grin can raise a ruckus with a new facial recognition software from the Master Government Database. That's the new facial recognition software from the Master Government Database. It's supposed to cut down on fraud. Be serious. Grin a little. No toothy Lou Dobbs smiles, please. Well, you're already not allowed to smile when you get your passport photo taken. Right. Uh, and if you do, they get real They get real uh, twitchy about it, and they make you stand back there and do it over and over again. But what if you have an old passport photo? Because my passport photo is like, like six years old, maybe, and I was smiling. I think passports are less for, what, seven or eight years? Yeah. I think so, somewhere around there. Well, but, that, but I'm smiling in my passport. But see, you're a happy girl. But it's not, yeah. uh, but, but see, the thing is, it's not for... It's not for the photo in your passport as such. It's for like the, like the physical passport you have in your hand. It's not for that. It's for when they take your photograph. It simultaneously is printed off to go into your passport. Yeah, and then it and then it goes into a database somewhere. Okay. So in other words, it's not even really for the passport you're carrying around. It's for the it's for the camera that is taking your photograph that is also sticking it in a file somewhere. So. So, like, that photograph's not on file anyway, I would, I, I would imagine. I don't think. Or maybe it is. I don't really know. Because I guess then the deal is, as you're walking through airports, when they're not busy scanning your genitals uh, with, a, with a big machine, they, there's a camera that captures a fi- picture of your face, and then it compares it against the picture of your face that's in the database. And that is created when they take—I'm making all this up, but it seems like it's probably how it works— and that's when they, they take the picture, and it, you know they said as they're preparing your passport for you, they're also sticking that in like a, on a hard drive somewhere. I guess. I, okay. It's probably how that works. But you were telling me, what are you? Was it you that told me that in addition to now not being able to smile when they take your driver's license, that at PDX, if you don't have a middle initial on your driver's license, they won't let you on the plane. That is something new that they're about to start. So when and is, I think that's everywhere. I don't remember when they're starting it, but that is something new that they're starting. And so that is so if your driver's license because your driver's license doesn't have a middle initial. It does not. Which is odd. Because mm-hmm. mine does, because I thought that you had to, but apparently not. So is the deal that they will compare? So what's going to happen the next time you try to fly somewhere? That's a good question. I don't know. I'd like to find out more about that, because I don't, because Lara is supposed to be flying this weekend, and I'm not entirely sure that she has a middle initial on her driver's license now that I think about it. And I guess that there's something that they compare it against something or other. I guess so. Well, for the record, it, it's Jay. So if anyone asks, they can just play back the podcast of this day. <laughs> 
They can have. Maybe I should bring it with me. That's they can, Jay. They can have John. Uh, can have Dan Mason uh, to call and take care of things. He can. He can settle that ruckus once and for all. You bet. All right. Let's do uh, one more here. The Everglades is being invaded by pythons. The population of Burmese pythons in Florida's Everglades may have grown to as many as 150,000 as non-native snakes make a home and breed in the fragile wetlands. Wildlife biologists say the troublesome invaders dumped in the Everglades by pet owners who no longer wanted them have become a pest. They pose a significant threat to endangered species like the wood stork and the Key Largo wood rat. They eat things that we care about, says Kip Snow. Uh, he recently captured a 15-foot Burmese python and showed it to the U.S. Interior Secretary Ken Salazar, who was on his first uh, snake fact-finding trip to the Everglades since the Obama administration uh, gave him the job. So a uh, snake this size will eat a small deer or a bobcat. <laughs> Imagine that. So there are all kinds of horrible things in Florida. Once you venture outside Disney World, it's a no-man's land. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the demilitarized zone yeah. of the panhandle. All right, it is the Rick Everson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Straight ahead, we have uh, more news at the news desk. Uh, we will also have uh, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins, who's going to be uh, joining us. Uh, later on, Aaron Duran reviews Drag Me to Hell. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Don't miss a moment of the Rick Emerson Show. Or you'll be filled with desperate, miserable shame. Listen online. Live or via podcast at KUFO.com. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming along. Uh, just a few minutes. We've got a piece of uh, Dexter news for you for uh, serial killing fans in the house. And I know you are plentiful. Uh, we'll tell you who the new serial killer will be. That's on uh, season four of that uh, show, which begins, I guess, I think in September, something like that. September 27th, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, also, CNN Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins uh, will uh, join us to talk about the upcoming uh, Supreme Court confirmation kerfuffle. Later on, Aaron Duran from Geek in the City reviews Drag Me to Hell. Um, if you missed our interview with Allison Lohman yesterday, who was the star of Drag Me to Hell, you can hear that at KUFO.com. Also, our interview with Oregon Trail uh, video game creator Don Rawich, which I've already seen... Which may already be the most downloaded thing we've done, uh, because I just I checked my uh, the what did my my Twitter thing today as well, that thing where when you post something, then a lot of other people can they can repost it or whatever under their own account. It kind of goes out to all of them, mm-hmm. and I saw there's like I don't know like ten or twelve people that have that have already done that. So it's it's just which is not really about us. It's just about that guy and how great his oh, interview was. Oh no, he sounded was. amazing. But you know what I was thinking? I think you and I need to have an Oregon Trail off at some point. Oh, like, like at the game? Yeah, because they have the game on uh, for PCs now where you can play it on the Internet. So. That is a fantastic yes. idea. All right, hold on. No, no, no. Right But there. no cheating and no looking up like who, like, you know, what character is best to be. Uh, it's the, oh, okay. It's the Oregon Trail right now. It's but I always die. That's why I'm a little nervous. It's supposed to be it. the carpenter. Really? No, no, no. The farmer. The farmer. Yeah? The farmer is the best character to be in Oregon okay. Trail, I think. Not the banker? No, no, no. You don't. <laughs> no, it's because at the end of the game... Well, see, I shouldn't even say that. Well, at the end of the game, I think you get a bonus depending on which character you are. But I think that also depends on where you – I think it almost depends on where, where you settle somehow or maybe who else is in your – but there's some algorithm they use, I think, to determine when you get there based on who has survived the trip, who, what you need more of. It just seems to me that when I – that I would always get more points at the end if I was the farmer. But I think it's because everybody else – I think it's because everybody else was dead. Uh, like, and so it was just, <laughs> all your children are gone. The wife is missing. The oxen are drowned. It's, uh, well, you know, it's, be, it's 
everybody else would just sort of everybody else would just get snuffed along the way or you know and there was there wasn't like any donor party option where you had to consume your travelers for sustenance but it it was like i would somehow arrive it would be me and some other straggler and if you if it's just like two bankers who arrive at their new homestead in Oregon, you're effed because they can't plant anything. If you're a carpenter, I guess you can build a home so you get shelter, but it, but you need the farmer to grow food to feed everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess again that depends upon the other people in your in your party. Anyway, that is a great idea. See, yes, the Oregon show, Trail off. It's already been worthwhile just for that Oregon Trail off. Oregon Trail off, fantastic. Um, all right, excellent. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's your personal savior, Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 628. It's going to be a beautiful Sunday weekend. Highs in the 80s today and tomorrow and cooling off a little bit on Sunday with highs only in the 70s. Mayor Sam Adams has turned down that 2% raise that he's entitled to. He didn't have to do very much. He just had to say no. I know it's hard for the mayor to say no to a lot of other things, but he said no to this one. And this could be a first in the series of him just saying no. So it can be done, and he did. What lesson can we draw from today, Sam Adams? I don't know. (laughs) But, I mean, it was proposed by some older men, so it might have been easier to say no. He's uh, joined by Councilors uh, Nick (laughs) Fish and uh, Commissioner Amanda Fritz also turning it down. Now, those accepting the races into the Hall of Shame are Randy Leonard and Dan Saltzman, as the rest of the city has a 12.1% unemployment rate. I don't know. I'm just so torn about it because on the one hand, well, they are. The the reason it was given was it's in all fairness because these are non-union employees. We have union and non-union employees. The union employees automatically get a raise, which is like 3%. So it's a little bit more, but not much, 0.2%. So that is in their contracts. They have to get a raise. So, but, and so this is for the non-union folks. But right. see, I think, but it's a, but I, I think the deal is when they say non-union, I mean that could that could include some guy who you know who's who's there to scrub out the inside of the sink or something. Yes. But then it also includes you know the mayor. So mm-hmm. and I think it is it is a fair point to say that those are two different kinds of uh, jobs. Yes, they are. And two different pay scales. Right. So on the one and hand, one has more benefits than the other, apparently. <laughs> yes. Apparently. Um, hey, whatever happened to that that thing of him smacking into a bunch of cars with his truck? And then somebody on the scene it, said he... It went away. Somebody... It so. went away. We haven't heard from any of those people since. That Not that I'm suggesting. Happened. What are you implying, Tim? Nothing. I'm, uh, it was amicably settled. You know... People it, went away happily. You know, one of, I'm telling you, man. one of those unfortunate days that befell the mayor. You know, one of these days... One of these days, you're just not going to show up here, and they're going to go to your house, and it's like the front door is going to be open, and the curtains will be blowing in the breeze, and they'll say, I don't know. He just never came home. I, uh... They'll be interviewing the neighbors, be like, he just, uh, his car never came back to the house. We don't know where he went. I'm just trying to do my job That's in right, tough Tim. economic times. So, I, I mean, on the one hand, it feels like you're supposed to say, well, damn politicians, always the hand in my pocket, they shouldn't be taking any, but... They, they do do work. But that's the thing. On the other hand, it is it is like a job. It's not like they don't have to do anything. And I guess if they, ha- if, you know, if they offered to hand me $3,000, I don't think I'd say no. I mean, I'm not going to set myself up as some, some false paragon of moral virtue. I mean, I think, you know, they offered to hand me, uh, you know, $3,000 more a year in that gig. I think I probably, it's not like they're not try- like they're not, they're not faced with a difficult test trying to fix this broken-ass city. So, yeah. I mean, it's I a city think- that has ceased to work. That's really it. it seems well, once like the a train st- comes from Clackamas, everything will be fine. <laughs> Clackamas will repair it all. Well, it seems like a stupid idea once the media gets a hold of that and knows that certain people took the money. I mean, they're going to be so shamed. Yeah. Shame on you. I guess. I... Uh, 
It's like, is, it, is that worth $3,000 to look, you know, like kind of greedy? Well, see, that's the thing. Politically, it's a bad idea. Yeah. There's, there's no... If we were in the private sector, why not? Nobody's going to know. No. I, and I would like to encourage CBS right now. Yeah, to, nobody's offering that to us, by the way. I was just going to say, but, if they, but I'll take it. And you know what? Uh, I'll, and if anybody else doesn't want theirs, I'll take that, too. Um, so it does seem like politically it's not worth that money because you're going to look like an ass. Uh-huh. So, all right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Say what's Bo Breedlove up to, you ask, since we're talking about the mayor. Those two naturally go together. Well, you know what I mean. Like bacon and eggs. Like bacon and eggs. Like a sausage McMuffin. Uh, Bo Breedlove has requested a restraining order against an Oregonian reporter. Now, this goes back and back and back. This is nothing new. But the restraining order is. He claims contact with the reporter Brent Walt has been uh, threatening, and he is alleging that Walt said he would punish or publish damaging information about Bo Breedlove unless... Breedlove agreed to be interviewed. Thus, he was interviewed, and they published it. So now, while uh, Walt's editor said this claim is absurd. Wait a minute. So when you're damaging information, is this other unknown damaging information, or is this so, the yes. fact that he was humping the mayor? I, I don't know. So we don't know. So this, Do we know the relationship? They, no, no. This is all very vague. This is all we know. Okay. Okay. So the, all, all right. So this isn't... So this isn't... This isn't anything new. So okay, he and de- he does. I guess he didn't like the Oregonian reporter. He didn't like the Willamette Week reporter either. Uh, and the uh, and the the damaging information is not what eventually came out anyway, which no. is this whole business with with Sam Adams. This is like some other something in a man- basically Manila envelope it, 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 somewhere. It sounds like he has requested this restraining order because he was put under duress to talk. All right, and, okay. and speak with the reporter. All right, but but who knows? I mean, he's out of the limelight. He's going to do something. Yes. I mean, not not everybody can be on American Idol. That, that is true, Tim. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, Chiquita the Chihuahua saved her neighborhood from a threatening cougar by barking, scaring the big cat away as it ventured into a Falamath neighborhood. But will it work a second time? You know, menacing beasts don't respect boundaries of subdivisions. And residents are warned there could be more of these unwelcome visitors, and perhaps next time, Chiquita won't be around. Hey, by the way, just back on the Sam Adams thing for just one moment. Oh, yes. Okay. So... Uh, but, I mean, honestly, do you remember how we had that one day? I'm fascinated by stories like this that are in the press for a single day for one news cycle, and then they just vanish. Yeah, it was a big deal. And especially because— well, and they I'm not, swept up the glass and everybody went home. It was just a fender bender. I'm not saying this is the case, by the way, but there was apparently that witness that was saying that he that he smelled of booze. Mm-hmm. And then, like, what you think would be a big deal? Like, I mean, is that going to be—do you suppose that's been folded into— Whatever that ongoing investigation is, or is that a separate? That's a separate thing, probably. Oh, that's separate. Yes. Hey, wait. That's another question. He Wasn't that supposed like to be done by two now? Two cars, right? He hit two cars, and again, I'm not saying that anything uh, beyond that happened. But there was the guy in the case who said that you know, or yeah. in, uh, on the property, uh, the guy who was on the at the site who said that he, that he he smelled of some kind of alcohol. And then the attorney general's thing, that's presumably in the works, but that was supposed to have come out already and hasn't, right? Well, they, they didn't give a timetable for when it ended. Is that like they may that, be digging deeper? Is that like that Sarah Palin investigation, where it's one of those things that like they never knew when it was going to come out because they just they had no like there was no timeline. They could just sort of run it as long as they needed to. Yes. All right. Kind of like a cold case file. It's exactly like that. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, look at this. You can see Eddie Money and Loverboy together for twenty bucks. Awesome. Who would have thought? What a bargain. It is. Also, uh, the Beach Boys. Will they ever go away? And this is where. I mean, these are like the beach wheelchairs by now. Uh, 
Let's uh, oh no, they're a very good band at uh, Chinook Winds Casino so and this, Resort. So this is Eddie Money and Loverboy. Does it say who's headlining, or is this like a? Uh, I mean, is it the, these are separate shows. Oh wait, so it's not Eddie Money. Oh, so not with oh no, no, Loverboy. they are together. They are together, oh. and they're gonna be there two days. My guess is that Eddie Money is opening for Loverboy. That would be my that'd be my speculation. When is the last time anybody here saw Eddie Money? Like oh, even geez. even like a picture. I mean, mm. like like a candid photograph. No, he's, he wasn't a handsome man to begin it's with. A, no, but he had that he had that rugged sort of uh, he had that rugged Brooklyn thing going on for a while, sort of early in his career. Um, and well, then, all these Chinook Winds artists have to be run through Photoshop before they're printed. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's not that they're bad. still not talented, <laughs> mind you. That, to make them more appealing, here's Mickey Gilly with a photo from like the 1950s. <laughs> Let me see. That is awesome. Okay, that that by the way, he's been given a full-on lacquering in that photograph. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an old photograph, and even in that, not that I don't love Mickey Gilly, because I do, uh, really, quite sincerely. Here's the thing about, is it Mickey Gilly that is, is it Mickey Gilly that's related to to uh, to Jimmy Swaggart? No, I don't know. Isn't there, some, there's, isn't there some weird triumvirate where it's like Mickey Gilly, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Jimmy Swaggart are all related to one another? Maybe, but he's only $15. Maybe that's why. <laughs> But that photograph is easily 20 years old, and even there, they're f- shooting him through some kind of gray lens, and I think they've just i think they've just put putty all over his face. So, excellent. Good for you, Mickey Gilly, and also the Beach Boys. Billy Ray Cyrus is going to be there two nights. Yeah, but see, Billy Ray Cyrus, I'm... He's su- a little more. He's 25 bucks. Billy Ray Cyrus, see, that's one of those things. Billy Ray Cyrus is real smart, though, because he doesn't... He sort of only passively leverages the Hannah Montana thing. Uh, you know, he hasn't done the obvious thing of like demanding that they tour together or whatever. He he sort of he he basks in her glow, but in a in a sort of understated way. He's. Uh, well, I thought they did tour together. Did they? Mm-hmm. I mean, have they I done that so. recently? Yeah, I think so because they have some duets together. Oh well, never mind. What the hell do I know? All right. Straight ahead, Santa Radio correspondent Lisa Desjardins tells us uh, what kind of chaos to expect on Capitol Hill as this confirmation hearing uh, gets underway. Later on, a copy of the new Chuck Palahniuk book will be given away, and Aaron Duran reviews Drag Me to Hell. This is Green Day. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Weblog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. Who's an obedient girl? I am! Visit KUFO.com right now. As much as, here's the thing about that. As much as I've always said that I just, I plan on cremation, because, you know, like, who cares? Me too. I don't want anyone uh, mucking with my body. You know, See, I, is that your deal? Is it, it's not the expense? You don't want somebody you moving kidding? your organs around? No, seriously, we have so many awful corpse watches here. I don't want anyone <laughs> doing true. anything to me. I'd rather just. Somebody replacing your bones with PVC pipe? Yeah, you know, I'm just the whole, yeah, like. Your liver ending up in China? away. I'm not, I'm not really into that. I'd rather just be. Burn who was it? Was it, was it? was it Arthur C. Clarke? No, it was Alistair Cook. It was Alistair Cook who, like, after he was dead, they stole his bones. <laughs> Bring me the bones of Alistair Cook. Um, and this it, from the man who loved America. <laughs> um, I've always figured, though, that I would just be cremated only because I don't want, I don't want whoever is, is, presuming I have friends and loved ones at that point, which is not like a certainty. I don't want them to be leveraged into paying like nine grand or something just for some guy stick me in a box. You know, I don't mm. care. I mean, that's just that seems wasteful. No, I mean, they have coupons of the penny saved to get cremated in some strip mall, so take advantage <laughs> of them. I know people have done it. Just stick me in a dumpster. Um, I would agree to be put inside a casket if uh, we were just talking about an ad that's in a. That would be uh, scary once they closed it. In the uh, well, not today. Uh, the so I'm add in the in, in the Oregonian for a a local mortuary, and for no readily apparent reason. 
the big tagline for the ad, which is in like 80-point type, says, you could die laughing, period. And then it just says, plan your funeral today, which makes it sound like it's some sort of comedy-themed funeral. So I was, uh, you know, with like jugglers. Uh, like carrot a, top. Like a circus, circus style, uh, style wake. So I was thinking I would agree to be put in a, in a casket if, uh, if it was like a jack-in-the-box sort of a thing. And at one point, randomly uh, during the service, it just sort of went bang. And, then, you know, my body just sort of shot out on a spring and dangled there. And then went back inside. But only once. Like, I wouldn't expect that to happen more than once. You were disturbed. You know, I mean, just to add like a little element of fun and excitement to the whole thing. Just keep people on their toes. That's what people want at funerals. Fun. That's what's lacking in funerals. Fun. Putting the fun in funeral, Tim. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, CNN Radio Correspondent from the Hill, Lisa Desjardins. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? I am doing dandy. Are you really? I would say I am, yeah. It's a nice, quiet Friday. Congress is out of town. You know, the Supreme Court nominee has already been announced. So what is the so speaking of it being a nice quiet Friday? I was watching Anderson Cooper last night because I've now I'm I'm on this whole thing of just uh, you know what it is? It's like I'd broken free of of the addiction after the election, after the election and the inauguration. I mean, I'm still watching CNN, but it wasn't basically yeah, at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm really only watching Anderson Cooper at this point, the AC 360, and only for even though it's a two hour show. I've caught on to the fact that it's a two hour <laughs> show that is just one hour played back to back. So I, I I only watch for the one hour now. As opposed to just turning on CNN and leaving it on for like seven hours at a stretch, <laughs> but as soon as they announced the Supreme Court nominee, and then I could, and you know, and then like a Pat Buchanan or whoever got on television and just started screaming like William Donahue about how she was a racist. <laughs> at that point, I could just feel it was like somebody had hooked up a slow heroin drip. So I'm not completely back on the junk, but I can feel it. I can feel the addiction starting again. And then, then it was like they just to taunt me last night. I was watching AC three sixteen. John King was the host. The whole uh, or the guest host, whole hour, nothing about the Supreme Court. Oh, like, we, oh, really? There was not a single update, not one story, not one sentence about it. Taking a little break, I guess. CNN yesterday. So, uh, so because let me uh, ask you, what is the status? Back, yeah. So, where are we at with with that? This is the deal. You know, because Congress is gone, uh, they can't really do much except, you know, have the fight in the media that, you know, you're right, it's still going on. Congress gets back on Monday, and we expect that Sonia Sotomayor's first visits with senators will start Tuesday. And she'll hit, you know, the big names in the Senate, especially the big names on the Judiciary Committee. But it's interesting that you said William Donahue. How about I called him the morning from the Catholic League, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, okay. Right. Um, yeah, any time, like, you know, the Da Vinci Code comes up, he's there, he's right, like, behind you, eerily. But he, I talked to him about this and said, what do you guys think of her? And he said, the truth is, we don't really know. We don't know where she stands on abortion yet. We love that she's Catholic. And he said, she might be more liberal than I am, but the truth is, I'm rooting for her because she's Catholic. See, so. here's the thing about William Donahue, and if, you, if people don't know who he is, he's this guy, he's this sort of Archie Bunker-esque kind of, he is, kind of yeah. figure. He is, and he, any, and you're right when you say he just appears. It's like any time there is any story involving Catholicism or, uh, you know, or that that stripe of of religion, is it as it right conspiracy theory with the Vatican or Christianity, any of that, yeah, when, yeah. And if it intersects with politics, especially, it's like somebody puts up like the like, uh, you know, it's like a like a. Not the bat signal, but like a like a pope signal or something, or you know, and right, he right. and he just sort of appears out of the void to immediately turn red in the face and begin screaming while getting a thin sheen of sweat on his forehead, and yes, it's awesome. Right. 
Um, so, well, so when are the actual hearings going to take place for this? That's probably the question number one right now. We don't know. And that actually is the only legitimate fight that's happening on Capitol Hill. You know, Newt Gingrich and folks who are outside of Washington, Rush Limbaugh, you know, they're calling Sonia Sotomayor a racist, an activist, all these things. But the people on Capitol Hill, the Republicans here in the Senate, they're not saying any of that. They are completely holding their fire on her, uh, in fact, indicating that maybe she'll have an easy path to confirmation. But the senators up here are picking one fight, and it is over the timeline. Right now, President Obama wants her confirmed before the full Senate, before August, so sometime in the next two months, which means confirmation hearings, I'm guessing, in July. Let me but just, the Republicans say, no way, that's way too fast. They want a vote in September. So confirmation hearings, the Republicans want in September. So let me just ask you, uh, journalistically speaking, in your, uh, in your objective assessment, your vantage point as a, uh, as a reporter, do you is is this this uh, this thing she said about uh, uh, about a Latina judge versus a, a white male judge? Uh, is it being uh, misrepresented or is it being is it being made into something? It's it's probably not. I think at first blush it was, but I think I think now it's it's getting sorted out a little bit. I think you know there's a legitimate debate over that statement, but I think people do need to look at the full context of what she was saying before they come to their conclusion. And that's why all these Republicans up here are being very careful about it. You know, I think your listeners probably know that she was talking about um, discrimination cases and that she felt that a, a Latin woman uh, would bring more, more often than not, would have a better opinion than a, a white judge who had never felt discrimination. And now she didn't say that. If, if she'd added those little phrases in there, it probably would have helped her. Um, and she did make just a blanket statement that, in, that sounded like she was speaking in general. And that's what the debate needs to be about. You know, was she speaking in general or was she talking about as the rest of her speech was, discrimination law. And if she was speaking about discrimination law, then is it eva- Then how do you take the statement at that point? So I think people aren't really evaluating it in its context, but I think once they're starting to get there, and once they do, it'll still be debatable, but it's not going to be the kind of hot, on-fire thing that it was initially. I think it, it's still an, a statement that people have to judge. It's still not clear exactly what she meant, but she'll speak for herself, and then people will decide. Because I do have to say, from just from uh, my vantage point as a spectator, uh, I, I really was just hoping for a full-on borking. Uh, really, well, I just you were. I mean, so, but I mean, there's time. Maybe the good thing about putting it to September is, you know, there's weeks and weeks and weeks for, uh, you know, for people to sort of uh, amp up their particular uh, position. So that might still pay off. Well done on working with the the verb there. It's uh, it's what I do. Hey, <laughs> as we as we head into the the uh, the weekend, now you may have already seen this. You're a Dexter fan, are you not? Oh yes, I am. And you have probably do you are aware of the uh, the newest addition to the Dexter cast? Oh, I'm not. You know, because we he the recession cut Dexter out of our lives. What? Well, because we cut back on our, our cable channels. Don't you mean the recession killed your ability to watch Dexter? No. <laughs> oh. oh, me. All right, uh, here we go. This is from uh, this is from the Hollywood Reporter, season four of Dexter. John Lithgow. No. Joining the who is creepy, by the way. I mean, he's a, creepy. He's just a sinister guy. I remember trying to watch that uh, that Third Rock uh, show that he was on, just because I'm kind of a fan of his, and there's just. Do you find him sort of just deeply unsettling in a way that you can't quite... Yeah. quite he's got crazy eyes, for one thing. Yes. I mean, I'm not saying he's actually nuts, but, like, it it would not surprise me 
if John Lithgow spent a lot of time sort of walking around at home in a powdered wig and a <laughs> petticoat and nothing on underneath and talking to himself in his own mother's voice. Oh, he's got the serial killer pursed lips. He really, he does. And he's got sort of a delicate uh, look about him, but in a way that seems like he might begin cackling while taking out like a large paring knife. Um, John Lithgow joining the cast of Showtime serial killer drama Dexter, which begins its fourth season September 27th. Lithgow will appear in all 12 episodes of the seasons, playing Walter Simmons, Miami's latest serial killer and Dexter's new nemesis. Uh, he will play a character who is an unassuming, mild-mannered suburbanite who has been living a dual life as one of America's most prolific serial killers, dubbed the Trinity Killer. Because of his proclivity to kill in threes, uh, he relocates to Miami, where Dexter is brought on to assist the investigation and becomes fascinated with the killer's skills. So there oh, you go. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, something to look forward to. Excellent. All right. This reminds me quickly that um, this weekend, my husband just pulled, just out of nowhere said he had decided who what the best acting performance in all of movie history was. And John Lithgow reminds me because he did the, you know, the alien pretending to be a guy. Right. My husband contends it is Jeff Bridges in Starman. And really? I, I don't know what to think of this. I'm concerned. I got to give him points for being the first person in probably the last five years to even mention the movie Starman. Yes. So, I mean, just yes. for obscurity, he gets a little bonus there. Yes. Well, I have to go watch it this weekend. All right. Doing that. All have right. a fantastic weekend, Lisa. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, you guys, too. There Bye. you go, Lisa Desjardins, ladies and gentlemen. I like that gal. So do I, Tim. She's got moxie. Uh, Straight ahead, we have Motley Crue following these, the Kings of Leon. Do we know who Leon is? Is Leon a guy? Is it a place? I don't know. Is Leon a fiefdom of some kind? Is it a feudal system over which they are an authority figure collectively? I don't really care. I realize that now, having had this discussion. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Stay there. KUFO, Portland. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. What are you looking for? Burning heart? Yeah, because for my uh, Max Muscle Live Radio, you're talking about how I should find the Rocky theme. Well, you've been using Eye of the Tiger. And, yeah, so I was suggesting Burning Heart uh, by Survivor from uh, from Rocky Four. I think I've actually got a copy of that. Okay, well, I have. Karaoke I found version. it. But, oh, the karaoke version. Okay, I good. think I have. Embarrassingly enough, I think I have a whole uh, collection of uh, karaoke Survivor songs. Well, because who am I to distract from Survivor's amazing vocals? No, well, you don't want to. Uh... And plus, here's the thing. If you use the regular version of a Survivor song while you're while you're doing your uh, your live read for Max Muscle, I'll start singing along in a bit. You, well, <laughs> and, you're, and you're going to be distracted by the fact that that guy from Survivor is the real man of genius guy. I mean, it's the same guy, literally. Like I don't mean like, and they sound the same. I mean, it is that guy. I forget his name. That is so cool. But the guy who, yeah, the guy who sang lead for Survivor for the longest time is now the guy who sings on those Budweiser Real Man of Genius commercials, like, which is like the, the best, best thing ever. ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. So, excellent. Hey, uh, speaking of uh, the best thing ever, I'll back up for a minute and say, here's the best thing ever that isn't gonna happen. If you're tuning in today to hear that Seth MacFarlane interview, <laughs> uh, interview, I have no interview. Um, well, people are constantly disappointing us anyway. That's true, and we are constantly disappointing people today. So it's all it's all just one big circle of life, Tim. Uh, so people are always burning bridges with us constantly. <laughs> They'll all pay someday, all of them. <laughs> Yes, they will. When the great time of purification comes, Tim, there'll be a cleansing uh, of the soul. Mm-hmm. 
Moving on. Uh, so we were supposed to be talking to Seth MacFarlane yesterday, and then it was going to be played back today. And so, um, anyway, so I, I and I really don't know uh, the story. I, I, I mean, you have nothing to apologize for. You've done nothing. I just, uh, I do. You, no- you set the whole thing up, and people just constantly disappoint you. I did nothing but sit around for hours and hours after my air shift. Oh, that is true. <laughs> Sitting around, kicking the couple people out of the studio that they had actually reserved for that time period, saying, "No, no, no, no." I know that you're supposed to be in here recording your country programming, but I need to be in the studio. I've turned into William Shatner doing the uh, Star Trek uh, tracking for the animated series. I know that you're supposed to be in here, but I need the studio now. Why? Because I'm going to be interviewing Seth MacFarlane, and that is more important than whatever you will be doing. So you will leave now. Then comes the humbling reality. (laughs) And I just sat there. But how many times has it happened to me? So I know how you feel. Hundreds and hundreds. Uh, Every time I tell people something good's going to happen, <laughs> I'm always wrong. Every time. I should learn to live with mediocrity. <laughs> I downgraded expectations. Aiming for adequate. So I called Sarah, actually, and I said, uh, so that Seth MacFarlane thing, that's supposed to be at 1050, right? And she, or I sent you a text, and Sarah calls me. She's like, why? Is he not called? No, he hasn't called. Then his, uh, then his people called. And they said... Uh, I did feel bad for his people. Here's what I should have known, though. I should have known it wasn't going to happen when his people called and they said this. They said... Because this is... Because everybody's done this. And it's like you would... This is a thing like you would do... Like when you... you know, like, if you're, like if you're running late... Uh, or if there's something you just don't want to do... Very rarely... will Like a guy will do this. Guys will very rarely just cancel outright. A guy will sometimes go like... Yeah, I'm kind of running behind, so I'm going to... Because you're softening up the ground. You're trying to think that you're softening the blow for when you eventually just cancel the plans later. She's like, yeah, I'm running a little late. I got that thing that I'm doing. It's uh, maybe like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe not uh, Probably maybe not noon, like maybe 1, 1 o'clock maybe. You know, and then later it's like, yeah, it's just not going to work. I, uh, I'm i sorry. I, I really tried to, you know, but really you were just... there. Was, it was never going to happen. Mm-hmm. You were just sort of like breaking the news in, in stages. She's so sweet, too. Emily, like, tried really hard. Oh, no, no, no. Felt, it's, it, it, they no, were no, really great about yeah, it. Yeah, I know. I just felt so bad for her because, you know, it wasn't just us. It's, like, everybody, everybody it was all old. over the country. And so uh, so, she, so she gave me a call, and, and she said, um, so we're running a little bit behind today. So that's going to be probably, uh, that's going to be half an hour from now, maybe, maybe, maybe 30, 45 minutes. And as soon as I heard the 30 or 45, mm-hmm. I realized that they weren't really sure. I thought, oh, something has gone terribly wrong. But I just but I stuck around. And then later I got the, yeah, that's not happening. So thanks, goodbye. You know, and I was like, but but I oh, but I reserved this. Oh, I'm so tired. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, so our Seth MacFarlane interview. Yeah, we even stayed after the show yesterday and prepped a bunch of questions. I put out a whole Twitter thing, so I like send me your question for Seth MacFarlane. You know, I'm going to be interviewing him today. You know what it is? That was it was it was hubris that led to this. It's because we, we were, were too prepared. I, it, it was because yeah, but, and I was just so uh, uh, we were kind of bragging about the, you know we're going to have Seth MacFarlane on the show because we're awesome. There's nobody as great as we are. So, anyway. well, we get on with life. That's right. Uh, so I am hesitant now to even promote this this guest that we've just got confirmed because I, I know that the more I promote it, the more I increase the chances that it won't happen. Aaron Durant? Do I know who this is? No. Yes. He's about to call exactly who it is. Um, so we have now, and I put this in quotes, a confirmation uh, mm-hmm. that next Tuesday, June 2nd, on this very fine radio show, uh, we will be talking to a pair of folks who uh, may not be known to you if you are, let's say, under the age of 25. But if you are over 25, you know the names Sid and Marty Croft. Oh, I know them. Yeah. Sid and Marty Croft, who were the creators of the original Land of the Lost series, 
also... Oh, that's uh, exciting for you. It's so unbelievably exciting that I can't... Like, you don't even want to... Don't even think about it now. We'll see what happens. That's what I'm saying. So it's like I'm trying not to... I'm trying to manage expectations, as the salespeople say. Salespeople, you know, it's that thing of... What you do is under-promise and over-deliver. So I'm trying to do that within my own soul right now. This is like that time that Peter Chris uh, tried to back out of the interview at the last moment, and Scotty J had to just... We wouldn't allow it. Had to do everything but go and, like, like clean his house for him to get him to come on the Scotty air. Scotty J did a good job. He really did. <laughs> uh, because I guess I guess Peter Chris has been so screwed by radio interviewers in the past, because it's just a bunch of jackass DJs, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, just to F with him. Um and, and you know our interview with Peter Chris went really well, but he didn't want to come on uh, because he thought we were just you know some other some other you know like a some other like jerk ass morning show. Thank you morning show. Um, but um, anyway, so Sid and Marty Croft, who created Croft Superstars and a whole series of, of I mean they, they, they did the Bugaloos, they did the the uh, the, the uh, far the far out Space Nuts starring Jim Neighbors and Ruth Buzzy. The far out Space Nuts. Don't mock. It was a great show. It wasn't that great, but that's uh, the most ridiculous name ever. They did, uh, they did Doctor Shrinker. I mean, they did Electro One and Dinah Girl, uh, and of course, Land of the Lost. And here's the thing about here's why the Sid and Marty Croft thing will be so exciting if it actually happens, because when the Croft Superstars would air during the seventies, the Croft Superstars was it was this rotating series of Croft productions, and you never quite knew which one you were going to get. It was a bit of a crapshoot. So you would tune in at like 3.30 in the afternoon. Maybe it was Land of the Lost, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Dr. Shrinker. And Land of the Lost was far and away the best of their shows. They also did H.R. Puff and stuff. And it was like, but you but you just never knew which it was going to get. Oh, that's so you, that crazy looking creature thing. Yeah, right? it's like okay. a big sea monster thing. So you would tune in and you'd be like, you know, you'd be like, oh, I'm hoping it's Land of the Lost. Ah, it's Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. Crap. Um, and so... This is great because it's an interview not just with Sid and Marty Croft, but it's an interview exclusively about Land of the Lost, which is which is great. It's like when a band comes to town and they're doing their greatest hits tour, so you don't have to sift through any crap you don't care about. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what this is. So, I mean, you know, there's fans of all of their series, but me, I'm a Land of the Lost guy. So, uh, next Tuesday, it is alleged that we'll be talking to Sid and Marty Croft. Disappointment and humiliation will undoubtedly follow. Tim Riley, what stories are we following today? Well, those crazy South... Oh, I'm sorry. North Koreans have just fired another missile, and the time is coming that we're just going to have to nuke them because we can't put up with this anymore. I'm for that. And, you know, here's another thing. You know who we All ought to be... Texas won. You know who we ought to it's be a big nuking? country. I, was, I wrote this down. Uh, when did I make this note? I made this note to myself on Monday uh, at 5.56 p.m. I had the greatest idea. We should nuke China. And here's oh, that's fantastic. No, 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 no. It makes sense. No, I have reasons for this. Here's okay. why: because it solves like a hundred problems at once. First of all, don't we just take it as read that they're going to invade us at some point? Well, China kind of scares me. Isn't that yeah. the thing? Like they're going to attack us at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, they're going to hide aboard those big ships that they bring all these goods in for, like Walmart in Long Beach, California. We'll open it thinking it's a shower curtain. Ah! Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Or another George Foreman grill. Uh, apparently, it's just a big box of uh, goldfish crackers. Let's open. Oh my God! It's China. Um, the, uh, so I, I take it as read that China will attack us at some point. So this is a way to so preemptively stop that from happening. B, uh, China is, what is the, what is the, uh, the faith, the predominant uh, religion in China? Do we know? None. It's a communist country. Is it, well, but, uh, but is there not like a traditional, I mean, under, nothing's been traditional, for but under the either. government, sure. I know that I think the government enforces a, a sort of atheistic policy, I believe. But isn't there a traditional faith there that is a? Oh, I'm afraid to even. Don't they believe in reincarnation? Isn't there like is a it tradition? Buddhism? See, but I wanted to say that too, but I might be wrong about yeah, I don't, that. Yeah, I didn't want to say because it wasn't like a jackass. Anyway, I'm just saying. Look, life in China must suck. 
Let's just be honest about that. If you're just living in China right now, that can't be any fun. It's like living in North Korea. I mean, you're living under a, you're living under a dictatorial government that runs people over with tanks. That's just a fact. So I'm just saying it's not like anybody there's having a real great time anyway. Bonus points if it does turn out that everybody believes in reincarnation. Because, you know, then it's just sort of a jump into the front of the line kind of a thing. Yes. Uh, let's see. Next. Don't we owe them like $60 trillion? Yes. Yes. Because they, they buy up all these bonds and so keep charging them. You know what? That's like filing Chapter 11. You know, it's like uh, it's like if your credit agency were just to, uh, you know, everybody were to get typhus. So, you know what? No China, no debt. Everything's uh, everything's zeroed out. Suddenly we get to start with a clean slate. It is like filing for uh, protection from our debts, except that we're not filing so much as we're nuking. Well, I, had I a, guess we got to do it. I had a fourth one, too. Oh, fourth one. War. Good for the economy. So we have war against China. We all kind of bond together. There you go. And plus, that's the other thing, Sarah. That's Thank you for, for jumping mm-hmm. right to the bottom there. So war is good for the economy, and plus, it will unite a polarized America. So for that reason, I'm saying right now, China, they got to go. There you go. That is the official position of uh, me. Rick well, all right, then. Let's do it. All right. Starting tomorrow. Well, two of us agree uh, on it here. Sarah? Well, we have the rule of two of the three of us. But, I mean, are you, are you abstaining from the vote, or do you, are you with us? Oh, I'm in. I'm all right, in. excellent. There you go. Well, let's try to get that done today, shall we? It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Share your thoughts with Tim Riley. I have irritable bowels. Please let me pee. Call 503-228-4101. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I don't... I mean, as much as many things here don't make sense... That made even less sense than the no sense that the other things all make. I don't remember saying that in what context I said it. No, there's no context that would... Nothing would... All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. In mere moments, we talked to CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Uh, we'll all pretend to care. I mean, just because he's part of the pop culture, we'll all pretend to care about Jay Leno this one last time. Uh, a tearful goodbye. And maybe for a minute or two on Monday. Then, then no more. Then I'm, then I'm moving on. Because that's like, it's like asking me to really care a lot about Charles Grodin or something. I just, I just, I can't. I thought you were going to say Charles Manson. No, no, I care about Charles Manson. It's like asking me to care a lot about David Brenner. I can't do that either. I, I don't have anything against him. It's just not a thing I can care about. Uh, also, Phil Spector. Uh, Tim Riley, what headlines are we tracking on this Friday? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger says uh, Rush Limbaugh is no longer the Republicans' 800-pound gorilla. He's lost some weight. Candy Spelling says it was Tori's actions that killed her husband. Wow, are you really? kidding me? Yes, we have sound. It's oh, a good day. Get me a can of peas. We're going to look at the uh, the police blotter from the very busy Lake Oswego Police Department and see what's going on over there. Excellent. And let's see, we're going to hear from uh, Sam Ramey and a Catholic priest who loves women. I think you made a mistake there. Somebody no, no, handed you the wrong a, copy. There's a woman. No, no, no. Women. That's a that's a misprint though. He was seen that's kissing a no, kissing okay. a girl. I think that's a there's you've got something wrong. You have a font that's his, difficult to his read. His name is Father Cutie, and apparently his ladies feel the same way. Okay. Clergy watch on the way then. Here's Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning, Johnny. How's life? How are things, brother? Life's good. Hey, what's up with Ed McMahon? Where's he? Where's he? These? Well, he's in bed, clearly. But I mean, yeah. in his he's life, in where's he at? Filled house in Malibu, <laughs> sucking in that beautiful air. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I don't know where he is. I know he. There was a lawsuit that was just settled with him, so he he can now buy his wife the car that she's been wanting. Well, that's great. Good for her. Yeah. The didn't he have a broken neck that was quote misdiagnosed? That's what the lawsuit was all about. How do you misdiagnose it? Your neck is either broken or it's not. Well, no one's really sure if Ed had a neck. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's a fair point. Yeah. And you gotta. This is where you kind of hear Johnny's, uh, you know, Johnny's voice in your head, kind of going, "Well, Ed is filled with uh, natural preservatives at this point. He's." Uh, <laughs> um, oh, wow. Well, he's like, how old is he? He's eighty something, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just so strange to me. I mean, I guess maybe it's an old story. You always hear this about entertainers and athletes, and where they, you know, they make this money hand over fist, and somehow they just, it just, you know, they they end up with like twelve dollars in the bank. Well, I think most people will will blame his current wife for uh, all his money problems. By I mean, most she, people, do you mean you, Jim Roop? Uh, she spends, she spent wildly, uh, and continues to do so, and and he just, you know, he wanted to hang on to her. Yeah. And um, that you know, and now he's where he is. You are correct, Jim. <laughs> All right. Well, moving. Let's. I, I'm sorry. I won't do that again. Uh, so let's talk a bit about uh, Jay Leno. So it just seems like we've been. It seems like about I don't know every nine minutes for the past three months we've been talking about his final show coming up. But it actually is tonight. It's tonight. Yeah. It's tonight is his final show. Yeah. Um, well, and, it's his final show on the Tonight Show. You know, I I don't find this any big deal. First of all, he's not leaving NBC. He's not leaving. He's not even leaving the lot. He's just moving across the way to a, another studio where he'll be back in right. less time than the writer strike. So <laughs> it's it, you know, he and he's coming back with the same kind of show, just at a different time slot. The the real news here is Conan O'Brien's taking that slot, and it'll be interesting right. to see how well he does there. But I don't understand what the big hype is here. See, that's the see that's the deal. Is it sort of it, we're all kind of looking at we're all kind of looking at the glass half empty part of this or, or whatever I mean, you know the, the reflexive property though you know dictates that when the void opens up it gets filled and it's going to be filled by conan o'brien and that to me is it I, I mean maybe it'll get more attention when that switch actually happens because is is leno's 10 o'clock show happening like immediately like did it start like no, next well, week it, or it something comes or? in the fall okay uh, o'brien who we knew was going to be leno's successor in 2004 nbc announced that uh so we knew this was coming, and then uh, Jay Leno decided he's going to do this 10 o'clock show right. because everybody was afraid he was going to jump to ABC. So NBC said, do a 10 o'clock show, and Leno said, well, look, you do the research. If you think a 10 o'clock show will work, I'll do it. So they came back and said, yeah, we think it'll work. There's no laughs at 10 o'clock, so let's go. And he said, okay, they're going to have to give him some time to build an audience and get some ratings because now he's going to get CSI and all those other guys. It's going to be a little tough on him. But it's just it's just another thing. It's right. not even an evolution, really. It's just another thing, and and so I'm sure it's going to be a great show tonight. It's not going to be a tearjerker. It's just going to be a passing of the microphone over to O'Brien. But I will say that that's the thing that is really the you know the big story is is Conan O'Brien because he's just such a you know he he's such an unlikely. Yeah. An unlikely guy. And I mean, I know that, you know, he was he wrote for The Simpsons and he had, you know, he wrote for SNL. And so it's not like he was just a, some some janitor that they plucked out of nowhere. It wasn't like a face in the crowd with Andy Griffiths or something. But I mean, but but by the same token, you I mean, you hear like uh, Lorne Michaels and those guys talk about the early screen tests that they did with Conan O'Brien, where they would just do these mock shows and it would, they were just disasters. I mean, they were just, apparently they were just so, un, and these are shows that never aired. They were just sort of, you know, they were dry runs. And they, it, was, it was just so unbelievably bad that they were just asking themselves, like, how? I mean, it would ne it's one of those things that would never happen now because there's so much at stake now 
because there's so much competition from so many other forms of media that everything is just micro-controlled and micromanaged. Yeah. And if it had not been for Lauren Michaels, I guess it was just, just pushing for Conan and just really being his advocate. I, you know, he never would have gotten that gig because he, well, even once he got the show and was on the air doing it, it took a couple of years before he didn't. Oh, remember that first show? Oh, it was awful. Everybody thought, well, first and last. Yeah. I mean, if you go back and you watch, and I think they re-ran that first couple seasons of Conan on MSNBC in about 96, 97, it seems to me, that I would, I would tune on NBC and I would see these old Conan shows that they were rerunning. But I think at a certain point when he had a contract renegotiation, I think part of the contract was that they had to stop. They had to take those first couple years of shows out of circulation. They couldn't, they couldn't air anymore because Conan was so embarrassed by them. <laughs> um, and you understand why, because he was just so raw. Oh, yeah. And, you know, but, but the fact that he has gone from being this obscure guy on the edges of, of show business trying to make it to that show and now to, you know, the, to the slot formerly occupied by Johnny Carson. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty great. That's a, that is a legitimately... That is a legitimately wonderful uh, uh, turn of events for that guy. Because, but he's got to be scared you know, to death. I mean, oh. he has to be. There's only been four hosts of The Tonight Show in the 50 years the darn things are on. He's going to be the fifth guy. Yeah. And so far, no one's screwed it up. So, I mean, Leno almost did. But it, but what Leno did was he, he realized, look, I, I'm I'm much more comfortable in a intimate nightclub, comedy right. club type right. setting. So he changed the show to look like that. He brought the audience in closer to him like that. And he, he started to do his own show. It took the monologue from four minutes to 11 minutes. I realized people aren't here to see me. They want to laugh. So once he realized that, he had the show, and it lasted 17 years. Well, now, O'Brien's got to have that same kind of thing. He's got to make it his somehow, and he's got to do it in a way where he's not going to tick people off. Right, and that's, you know, and that's that's the thing is it's like, and, and Letterman had that same issue a little bit going from 1230 to 1130, although Letterman is much more of, I think, a, a, a skilled and trained broadcaster, and also it wasn't as big a leap. Because he was just modifying, he was modulating some things, uh, you know, when he when he moved to the eleven uh, thirty slot. But it, it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. The one advantage that Conan really has is that he's not replacing Johnny Carson; he's replacing Jay Leno. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and as, as I always say, you don't want to be the guy who replaces the guy. You want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces the guy. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what Conan is. He is, you know, he's replacing the guy who replaced Johnny, which is a whole. It a was whole a nice buffer thing. between Johnny and 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 O'Brien. Well, uh, and look, and just and let me just and let me just say, so, uh, as the guy uh, who replaced the guy who replaced uh, Howard Stern here in Portland, uh, let me tell you that that buffer is uh, that buffer is something for which we're grateful. So, Howard, who? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's there you go. <laughs> that's that's why I like you, Jim Roop. Always in our corner. Big plans for your weekend, sir. No, sir. Oh, hey, Phil Spector, though. I'm sorry, before we even go, uh, Phil yeah, Spector. He's, sentenced, he's being sentenced today probably anywhere from, you know, 18, 19 years in prison. He's 15 years mandatory for the sentence, and then the DA wants four years added because of a gun use. But his, his attorney, Spector's attorney, says, oh, no, not four years, three. All right, so, <laughs> so this is really, so it all comes down to, is he going to get a life sentence or is he going to get, like, a really, 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 really seriously life sentence? I mean, because if it, he's... Well, man, it's mandatory 15. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, oh. look, he doesn't look bad. I mean, his... He's, uh, he's 69. He doesn't look bad. He looks he looks awful, and his... He, he looks embalmed. His skin looks like parchment, and I suspect his bones are mostly powder at this point. So it seems it seems it's just like how much of a life sentence it's going to get. Yeah. Uh, so all right. Well, on that note, my friend, have a uh, fantastic weekend, and we will uh, have speaks with you next week, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right, there you go. That is uh, Jim Roop, ladies and gentlemen, in Los Angeles. Yeah, he looks like. Uh, he looks all bug-eyed. He looks like Gollum at this, but not Jim Roop. Uh, uh, but uh, Phil Spector. 
But he's like, but he's sort of like, he's like Gollum in like a, uh, he's like Gollum in like a, uh, I don't know, like a, uh, like a Laura Ingalls Wilder wig. You know what I mean? Like he's got that. Who's, what's her name? She was the president of SAG. Tim? Oh, Melissa Gilbert? M- Melissa Gilbert. Remember Melissa Gilbert in Little House on the Prairie? I do remember. Oh, yeah. You yeah. go back, you take that hair and stick it on uh, stick it on uh, Smeagol and get like, it has the ring now. But just, that's what Phil Spector looks like at this point. So it, it, anything he gets beyond like, you know, three or four weeks in jail, that's a that's a life sentence. I think it just, uh, it's a question of degrees at this juncture. All right, we'll do this straight ahead. We have more news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen. Later on, Aaron Duran will review Drag Me to Hell. Oh, and I didn't do the Polonic giveaway, did I? I'm a terrible person. Polonic giveaway next. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101 KUFO. To the average American of 1800, the West was a void, a black land of desolation from whence no man foolhardy enough to march into it might return. But two Americans did lead a party into the bleakness. These leaders were Meriwether Lewis and William Clark. What we did only needs doing once. Thank heaven. Really? Two centuries later, what do we know about the Pacific Northwest? Those two quiet states of Oregon and Washington, tucked up in the corner, free from scrutiny. After Lewis and Clark, settlers take to the Oregon Trail and disappear into the wilderness, seeking something else. Finding the furthest corner, they settle. Pioneers, fringe elements, refugees, and heroes. Misunderstood? Yes. But I doubt they care. Surrounded by breathtaking natural resources, they tend to develop interests, passions, like how to cook all that good stuff they have in abundance. One time, hobbyists become craftsmen then artisans, and then, sometimes, obsessives. As a writer and a cook, I love this part of the country, the fabulously quirky, obsessively talented culture of the Pacific Northwest, and it's high time we made a show about it. My journey starts in Portland, Oregon. Portland, kind of a libertarian uh, government here. Love the city, only 500,000 people. Most of them seem to be cooks or foodies. But it's not all artisanal cheese, really good organic products raised by hippies. Oh no, my friends, there is a dark side to Portland. That's from the uh, Pacific Northwest episode of No Reservations. I forgot he mentioned the Oregon Trail there, so it's doubly relevant today. Look at that. Anthony Bourdain, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to be uh, speakifying uh, tonight. Tonight is his uh, appearance in town, and then tonight and tomorrow, Cinematic Titanic. So, Which tonight is the movie that I've seen before, the one, the black exploitation film with the um, the people shackled together. It, what, what is it called? It's called. I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the, the Cinematic Titanic film that's happening tonight. So it, anyways, it is ridiculous. There's a whole bunch of things happening. Once, so so Cinematic Titanic, which is uh, the new project from Joel Hodgson, who's the the creator and the original star of Mystery Science Theater three thousand. So that is tonight and tomorrow. So the good news is, if you're going to, because a lot of people are like, I want to go see Cinematic Titanic, but I want to go see Anthony Bourdain. So you can go see Anthony Bourdain tonight if you have tickets to that, and then you can go check uh, check out Cinematic Titanic tomorrow. So you're going to do back-to-back, which is which is actually what, what I'm going to be doing. So Because I'm not going to be able to... So I won't be able to see both the Cinematic Titanic things, but that's that's fine. I mean, it'd You be, can see the island one tomorrow. Yeah, I can see that. And again, you know, so Bourdain and then and then back to that, uh, back-to-back with the Cinematic Titanic, which is tomorrow. And I think a few tickets still left for that at Cinematic 
Titanic.com. Uh, this is a good uh, time to mention, though, that the cast and crew, or the crew of Mystery, uh, of, of the original cast of Mystery Science Theater 3000, who are now in the cinematic Titanic show, they're in town, they're doing two shows, and then they're going to be at Video Rama at 2310 North Lombard. That is uh, tomorrow, Saturday, from 1 to 2.30. From 1 to 2.30 p.m. tomorrow, Saturday, the uh, cast of Cinematic Titanic, which is Joel and everybody else in the original Mystery Science Theater 3000, they're going to be at Video Rama at 2310 North Lombard. That's uh, from 1 to 2.30. Uh, and apparently they just, uh, they're very cool. They sign everything and anything and they, they hang out. And so if you want to uh, meet Joel Hodgson and the rest of the uh, MST3K slash Cinematic Titanic uh, uh, gang, that is uh, tomorrow, Video Rama 2310 North Lombard, 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. Do try to catch it. At the news desk, ladies and gentlemen, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 7.46. It's going to be sunny all weekend. Highs in the 80s, at least through Tuesday. This is the second most popular story on Yahoo. It is the most emailed. The bogus call to 911 landing an Oregon man in jail. Reben Roop Osman, not one of the Osman brothers, uh, called the emergency service to tattle on a fast food restaurant. What's the problem? We ordered some food and we went home that our order wasn't in there and my little brother is crying for his orange juice. So now he could get a $2,500 fine up to six months in jail. And now we have this. The Aloha McDonald's employee who then calls 911 on the customer after they came back and uh, started banging on the windows. So let's listen to that. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm calling from the McDonald's. I just call it because they have a problem with some customers up there. They're sending up there. And they're they, doing what? The customers, they complain about their food and things like that. And uh, they know they, they don't want to move. And they told me to call the police. And yeah, I'm working here at McDonald's in Aloha. I'm okay. one of the managers. Wait, 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 wait. The customers are complaining about their food. Yeah. Does no because one know what 911 is for anymore? And I make the order, and I told them that everything was correct after, and they got mad because they told me to give them more food. And uh, I told them that I can give any free food away, and they told me, started telling me about work and all that. And I told them, you know what, if you don't move from here, I'm going to call the police. And they told me, okay, go ahead and call the police, and because we're not going to move. And finally they moved like And uh, so then I said. Out of the drive-thru. And, uh, and then she said to me. Then walking and then I said I don't know what else I want after so did you give them the wrong food no we did it and then my husband came home and he didn't even notice I had a new dress on and so then later on that same day I went and I played mahjong yes Oh, for the love of God, I feel like Those I've aged put a us on the map. thousand years. Wow. So, well, between this and, the, and there was that, the, the, okay, let's let's all stop. And by all of us, I mean me, because we had, because it's all in the same area. So there's the guy goes through the drive-thru. This is the same Aloha McDonald's. They don't give him orange juice. He right. calls 911. Right. Then this he goes back and he crying. starts pitching a fit about the lack of orange juice. They're bang on the window. They call nine one one, but it, but see, but it doesn't even sound like that when when the woman is calling nine one one to complain about the customers. Yeah, she did say she did say that they were banging on the windows. So she so they're banging on the windows, but it didn't. I mean, it doesn't sound like they were like you weren't being threatened in any way. No. <laughs> they were just sort of complaining. 
And then this is right after that, uh, the woman in Hillsborough called 911 because the deputy came over to tell her to turn down her music, and she thought he was like, she thought he was hot, and she wanted them to uh, to send it back for some sexing uh, or, or whatever. Um, you know, we, and that of course, and all three of those are after that woman in Florida, I think, two three weeks ago, that called 911 because I don't know, it was something where like she couldn't get one of her cable channels to come in correctly. It was like question, like Comedy Central was a little fuzzy on the screen, and she couldn't get the cable company to help her out, and so she just picks up the phone and calls 911. God Almighty! You know who needs a raise? Not so much the city council or the mayor as it is nine one one operators. Mm-hmm. That's who really needs to be paid more at this point. Jesus, God Almighty! Talk about just dealing with the the, the lowest rungs of the evolutionary ladder. For the love of God! All right. So, so then I have this transcript here of the police blog from the Lake Oswego Police Department. I wish I had the recordings for this, and I wonder if these are regular calls and nine one one calls. Uh, at four forty eight p.m. The mother of a 17-year-old girl asks for extra police patrols to make sure the girl does not party while she's out of town. <laughs> so this is, wait a minute, so this is where this is, Lake, Lake Oswego? Oswego. Uh, then at 424, plants on the medium on Boone's Ferry and Country Club roads look like they need some watering. Now, when you say the police blotter, is this things that people, so these are, these are calls the to 911? I don't know if these are calls to 911, but these are police calls. Calls to the police department in Lake Oswego. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, at uh, 10.20 a.m., dog feces left on a woman's front yard lead her to ask for police action. Uh, Let's see here. At 6.17, the sale of a washer over the Internet turned sour when the woman picked it up as she was told she was paying less than the agreed-upon price. She later received phone calls from the seller yelling at her. (laughs) We need to get some sort we should create some sort of Lake Us We Go uh, uh, crime blotter update segment or something. And uh, let's see here if I can find another one. Um, okay. At 10.07 p.m., a young girl was heard screaming from a house on West Bay Road. An investigation found she was cheering while watching American Idol. That's fantastic. <laughs> small town crime blotters especially. I mean, the smaller the town, the better. The better the blotter. It, 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 it's true. I don't know why Holman's that is. It's amazing. Because uh, in the Evergreen, which is the paper at Washington State University, they would have the crime blotter for like all the dumb, you know, things that all the uh, like frat boy jocks did. Yeah. They would just list. Uh, oh, it's the most amazing thing. Ever. Well, and again, it's just uh, you know, no matter who you are, or where you live, it does seem like, it does seem like the, the immediacy with which you will pick up the phone and call the cops about something, is there's like an inverse, uh, you know, ratio there with your intelligence. Uh, because it, because it seems like the people who are immediately calling the man to come and get their neighbor to pipe down, they're always just like the most backwater rubes you can possibly imagine. I remember it wasn't. I remember if it was in Oregon or if it was in Washington. It was at some. It was at some minuscule fly speck of a town somewhere, like Washtuckner or one of those places. And there was the most insane police item. This is maybe uh, maybe eight or nine years ago, where there was a guy who called the cops because his two next door neighbors were having some sort of a fight. And at one point, neighbor number one, I swear to God. Neighbor number one began beating neighbor number two with a stuffed armadillo. And I don't know where the armadillo, like, came from or at what point in the argument. Like, if it was always there being brandished as a weapon. Like, if it was, if it was sort of understood, like, if you keep pushing me, I'm going to go for the armadillo. And at one point, the guy just, just starts beating the guy in the face with it. And so there's this great police blotter item. Of like, man calls because two neighbors are engaged in fistfight. Neighbor begins beating other neighbor with stuffed armadillo. Is afraid it will escalate from here. And you read it and you realize that that's the sort of thing they just don't get in. Uh, they don't get in Manhattan. They don't get that in Manhattan. The big city folk don't have stories like that. I made a sm- I made the police blotter once. Really? In college. 
Was it because you were, wait, hold on, whizzing in a shrub outside a party? No. Okay, I give up. Oh, uh, That's all I have. Remember my friend Delane? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, we got into a, a huge argument in the middle of the street, and the cops were called on us, and she ran away, and they had to drive. Really? Oh, yeah. So this it was, was so trashy. So you weren't in an argument with somebody else or with each other? No, it was with each other, because... Um, Please tell me you were drunk. Oh, completely drunk. We went to this, uh, yeah, we were at this frat party where they fill the entire basement full of water. Um, like three feet of water and full of live goldfish, and they have live, I swear to God, live goldfish eating contests. So they're always drunk people eating live goldfish, standing in a basement covered in plastic tarps, like in three feet of water and God knows what else. And then for some reason, I think we both liked the same guy or something, and she had done something, and I was screaming at her. Because a party like that seems like it would be filled with guys who are worth oh, having. Oh, it was all class. Yeah. Were, yeah, each and every one. That's, That's just exactly a... what my life needs right now. <laughs> so they thought I had done something horrible to her because she ran away. How can I make my parents proud? <laughs> So she ran away, and they couldn't find her, and so that I had to stand there. I had to wait with the cops while they tried to find her. And I can see your friend Delane. I can, I can picture exactly what she looks like running away from the cops, by the way, because she's <laughs> – she, uh, Delane's not an unattractive girl, but um, she has kind of stumpy legs. And so I, I can just sort of see her just sort of stilting off down the street running. Running from the cops. That's just my assessment, by the way. I maybe I'm remembering her legs incorrectly. I yeah, so anyway, I was in the Evergreen. Like two drunk, you know, dumbasses were in the street. That is Woke awesome. All of did, so did they find her eventually? Yeah, they found her. Please tell me sure. that she was hiding like in a tool shed somewhere. She was, she was hiding in somebody's like backyard. That is great. That's wonderful. It was kind of amazing and embarrassing. Uh this is uh hey mom, dad, this is um this is Tad. Uh, he's my new man. Where did you find him? Well, we were eating live goldfish out of a flooded basement at a party. Plus, we had gone swimming, so we were wearing, like, we'd borrowed clothes from some of our guy friends there, so we're just wearing giant, you know, like, man shorts and shirts and <laughs> running around Greek Row as so, everyone's screaming at us. So basically, so you look like two drunk lesbians who were fighting it out of the street, essentially. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Over a motorcycle park. I left my hockey stick at your house, and now it's gone. All right. Alice, I told you not to let my hockey stick vanish. All right, here's Tim Riley. Nut Candy Spelling says if it wasn't for Tori's actions, Aaron Spelling would be alive today. <laughs> my daughter one day decided that she wasn't speaking to my husband, mm-hmm. myself, and my son. And, and you know what? And it was sad because it's, that's what killed my husband, actually. He just didn't want to live after that. That is fantastic. You betcha. That is the best story I've heard all week. Tori Spelling is the best person ever born. Oh, that is that is great. Candy spelling. Tim, did you see that picture of her on my blog that I put up? No, I must see it. Oh, it's ridiculous. So this is... So candy spelling is not Tori Spelling's birth mother. Is she? Isn't she? I thought that was thought like she... Aaron's... I thought that was like Aaron Spelling's second wife or his new wife or something. Hmm. I'm not sure. Maybe I just one. assumed that because well, he's Aaron Spelling was, and... They look kind of alike. I don't really know. I, I Here's the thing. I don't know what she looks like. I just assumed... I assume that no oh. one ever has uh, th- that no one is no one has a successful marriage in Hollywood. Mm. So I just figured that she was like a recent kind of trophyish wife. Hey, look at this picture of Tori it, Spelling. Is she not a? Is the picture of Tori Spelling? Yeah. Oh, that's a recent one. Wow. Yeah, she's lost a lot of weight, so now her oh, her breast implants are. Oh, like, I wish I could unsee that. Shriveled like prunes. Oh, you've got to post that in your blog so oh, everyone can on, know nope, my pain. It's on there. At SarahExcellent.com right yes. now. I believe she right needs now. a little more support in that area. It's like they're totally wonky, too. They're, like, off to the side. It's like, it's like they, they start above her. the head with one of those things. It's, 
I mean, Jesus, it's like a it's like a baseball at the end of a pair of pantyhose. Well, those could kill somebody too if they're in the wrong spot. Seriously, I mean, it, it's like it, it's like it's like a either, sock either, filled with marbles. Either of those could kill Aaron Spelling. <laughs> he was killed by your bosoms, your hideous sagging bosoms. That's what killed your father. Jesus, doesn't she have a kid? Yes. Oh yeah. Don't I think, she, I think how... she's knocked up again. I think she's my. I hate to ask this because I don't really understand how certain things work. Like, do your uh, do your that part works the same for everyone? What part? What are you talking about? Well, I think, are you talking about the breast implants? I'm not no, I'm not talking about her her business, her her down her down there. No, I mean you're the it, like can she even uh yeah, uh, be uh feeding a child? Can a ch- can, can she uh nurse a, a child with, with I, that I, I, those? I have a friend who has uh breast implants who had a kid. Maybe that's and she was able to. Wait, do I know who this is? Yes. But we don't she doesn't talk about but it. But she doesn't talk about Wait a minute. Now, this is fascinating. So you have a friend. Okay, we've got a break. Oh, that's unfair. You're just doing this so we don't talk about your friend's bosoms. Well, it's a tease. Next hour. It really is. I, I'm writing it down. We're coming back to this subject. All right. Excellent. All right. It's the uh, Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, Aaron Duran will join us from geekinthecity.com. He'll be talking about Drag Me to Hell. This is Robert Plant and the rest of Led Zeppelin. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. K-U-F-O. Is this what I think it is? It's a karaoke version of Burning Heart as made famous by Survivor in Rocky IV. Oh, and it turns out that's not the real Man of Genius guy. He sang on Eye of the Tiger and whatever the other hit was, and then he was replaced by somebody else for this song. Like, at this point, they had replaced him with somebody else. All right. But the the Survivor, the Eye of the Tiger guy is... That's the real Man of Genius guy. And then they replaced him by the time they did the Rocky IV soundtrack, which is this song, Burning Heart. Okay. It's a beautiful song. Hello, my friends. Rocky music equals max muscle. I keep wanting to call it Mad Max muscle too, because look at the look at the muscle dude. Does he not look like a Mad Max character? He really does. Yeah. So every time I'm saying like Mad Max muscle. All right. So anyway, if you want to see what he looks like, go to maxmuscle.com, my friends. Yes, I spent yesterday again at the pool, feeling very squishy, and I am going to have my meeting with Larry from uh, maxmuscle.com actually next week, where I'm going to try and get into better shape. For the summer, and that's actually what it's for. It's for average people uh, who uh, want to help maybe losing weight or just to get in better shape. Um, you can lose a set amount of weight or just become stronger at the weight that you are. Everybody that works uh, for MaxMuscle.com are all nutritional specialists, so it isn't some random person not specializing exactly what you need. They'll listen to you and let you know exactly what you need to do to acquire the body that you want. And I have to say, it's a little bit awkward, so I apologize in advance, but you know, one of the best summations of the workout uh, goal ever is in the movie American Beauty when Kevin Spacey is talking to the next door neighbor. Uh, he, he has like the the gay guys who live next door, and they're both like they they jog and they work out and they're oh, weight yeah. trainers or whatever. And he's like, "Hey, can you teach me? You know, can you help me work out?" And they said, "They go, well, are you trying to you know improve your uh, your lats or your glutes?" Or, and he just goes, "I want to look good naked." That's exactly it. And that's the thing. He's just like want to look better. That's I, know, the I, don't deal. Want, I just want to look like everything. I like the size I am, but I want to kind of. Like, if you can make me this same, you want the. I want to suck it up, suck it a little bit, and like not be, not have this like this coating. You uh, this coating. So you <laughs> want to be coating. the way you are now, but smaller. I want to be the way I am now, but smaller. And I guess a lot of it has to do with 
like what I eat and like how much I work out. So I'm going to meet with the student. He's going to help set me up on a program for like um, to make sure I have to get the right like vitamins and supplements and all that kind of stuff. So I think I'm going to have to take an embarrassing before and after picture too. Awesome. So we'll all get to see the results. Fantastic. Hey, I have a before and after picture too. Uh, so oh, with you know, hair thing. seriously. So why should I be alone? Okay, that's true. Excellent. All right. So um, yeah, if you want to find out more information, check out maxmuscle.com. They also have a bunch of before and after pictures of other people. Um, it's actually pretty impressive. If you want to check it out. So uh, yeah, maxmuscle.com. KUFO! Pop, pop, pop! Portland! And good morning to you. It is the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful Portland, Oregon, the greatest city on God's green earth. It's uh, 503-228-4101. Time for today's Chuck Polinick giveaway, which we were supposed to do, I think, like nine hours ago. All right, if you can be caller 10 and correctly answer this Chuck Polinick question, ladies and gentlemen, you will win the following copy of uh, the new Charles Polinick book, Pygmy, and a $10 Wendy's gift card. The Manchurian Candidate Meets South Park is how Pygmy has been described. It's Chuck Polinick's finest novel since the generation-defining Fight Club. Pygmy skewers the apple pie notions of faith, family, and the American way. Alongside a tale of redemption and love, you will also qualify for the grand prize, a reader digital book, PRS 505 from Sony, and a coupon code to download the electronic version uh, Pygmy, visit SonyStyle.com for more information. Uh, and you will also win a, a $10 Wendy's gift uh, card. Uh, go check out the Frosty Chino, which is a thing I can never pronounce correctly, even though it's a fairly simple word. It's just a, I've created a block in my own head about it. It's a hand-spun real dairy Frosty made with coffee and chocolate-covered toffee. Copy of Chuck Polinick Books. Uh, Chuck. I was, don't take this you're the wrong way. You're doing well till then. Chuck, if you're out there listening, because I know you do, don't take this the wrong way. I'll be so glad when this giveaway is over with your book, because I can sure never. take that the wrong I, way. I can't get through this copy without mangling it, and there's nothing in here that's that difficult to pronounce. It's just the Charles thing throwing you off? Yeah. This is like, well, you know, and when I say, and I'm adding apostrophes where they don't go, and then they have to say coffee, toffee, back to back, which shouldn't be difficult, but I'm apparently retarded, so. Wow. That was, like a, that was like a scene from a Charlie Brown show. God. It's like there's this is episode of Sports Night where uh, where Dan Rydell is in the studio, and he's trying to record what we do here, like a tease for the next day, when he's like, hey, join Sports Night tomorrow, when we'll be talking to, and he's supposed to say, Yevgeny Kafelnikov, oh, which is the name of a, of a hockey player. And he's in trying to do a voiceover for a tease for, for the show, and he has to do like 85 takes or something on it because he can't say Yevgeny Kafelnikov. I can say that. I just can't say Toffee. For the love of God Almighty, in any event. If you're caller 10 right now and you can answer this question, you'll win uh, that Chuck Palahniuk book, Pygmy, and the Wendy's gift certificate. That uh, question is this. On the cover of Chuck Palahniuk's book, Fugitives and Refugees, there is a photograph of people participating in an annual Portland event. What is the name of that event? So you can call her 10 right now at 503-228-4101. Answer that question. On the cover of Chuck Palahniuk's book, Fugitive and Refugees, there's a photo of people participating in an annual Portland event. What is the name of that event? All right, hear that? That copy crumpled up. Crumpled up toffee. Never reading that again. (laughs) All right. Jesus, God almighty. All right, Aaron Duran will be joining us uh, in just a few minutes here. Aaron Duran, you'll be talking about what today? Drag me to hell. Which I hear is awesome. It is awesome. We yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, that's... Can't wait. Yeah, buddy. That, I'm, is it nightmare-inducing? Because I can't even watch the commercial. It is a spook blast All right. Why are you talking like that? I'm I sorry. like it. I get all excited when I... Whenever there's a new Raimi movie, I get all excited. And this is the first... He's the reason I got into filmmaking, so I get all goofy. And it's the first... I mean, if you can't, Army of Darkness is a horror film, which most... Which I guess you could do. That's the first horror film he's done since eh, Army of Darkness. The gift. You know? Kate Blanchett? 
Yeah. I didn't know that was a Sam Raimi film. Oh, yeah. I, I had that's, no idea. That's probably his best film ever, The Gift. Yeah. I had no idea. I saw the film, but I didn't know he did that yep. for some reason. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. And then he did a simple plan, which I quite liked Ooh, as well. Yeah. Uh, Tim Riley's tracking the following stories for you on this Friday. Mayor Adams declines to take that pay raise. And because the mayor's in the news, that means we have a bull breed love story. Uh, he requests a restraining order against an Oregonian reporter who he doesn't like. Uh, what can we do to hurt more people? Let's close down the Oregon School of the Blind and send them back to their hometowns and sell the land and make $9 million. Is this, like a good wait a minute. Is this your suggestion? Or No, this is what's happening. Oh, okay. I thought maybe you were like trying to – this is like my whole thing about bombing <laughs> China. You were trying to come up with your own suggestion for making the world a better place. Uh, that wouldn't make the world Evict a better place. Evict the blind. And right. send them home. Oh, this is that story that was on the front of the Oregonian the uh, a couple weeks ago, where it was uh, like such and such lawmaker wants to close the blind school. Yes. Yeah. All right. So why not? And then we're going to be hearing uh, from Sam Raimi also. Excellent. Fantastic. Mind going things. I'm sorry. Apparently, Evgeny Kafelnikov is a tennis player. So, uh, and I, sorry. Okay. So just to, to sort of recap two things. Yes. One, so you've got a friend that... And so, about the goldfish thing or the no, two things. We'll start with thing. boobs. We'll end on the sorority. Okay. Um, so really, the, that's the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. And and oh. and so if and if Aaron knows, I don't, I don't want you to chime in at all uh, because I'm going to try to figure this out. So there's a friend of yours that I know who has. Um, oh, I forgot about that implants. Yes. And but and it's not like a public like she's not sort of it's not a known. No, and thing. you can't really tell either. Dental implants. Yes, Tim. Yes. Uh, nice big teeth. <laughs> chomp, chomp, chomp. Wow. Um, anywho, uh, so, and so I know this person. Yes. See, now the thing is, I almost, I almost don't <laughs> want to know. Don't guess. Uh-huh. You can't guess. I'm not going to tell you. You, so, the, uh, See, Just know that one of my lovely lady friends. Here's the thing about it, though. a fake pair in there. Here's, here's the thing. <laughs> I see. There's no way that I can continue this conversation without sounding sounding creepy. There's no way I realize. Want me to take over then? No, it's like I have all of these thoughts in my head that are stacked up like planes coming out of O'Hare. But I realize as I look at any of it's like a choose your own adventure book. If you want to say the following thing, turn to page fifty four. But it's like all of my next sentences they all go to the creepy page because. <laughs> Here's the two things I was going to say. One, there's going to be no good resolution for it. I mean, like, is it's going to make it difficult? I can I just tell you this as a man, and I and maybe Aaron can weigh in on this as well. As a man, it's a point of pride with me, and I developed this really, really early on. It is a point of pride with me that no matter who I'm talking to, I may I keep eye contact with women because I learned early on if you're the guy who's like talking to, to talking to the chick's chest. Oh, it's th- creepy. They notice that. But yeah, and no, like, you notice it and you judge them. And guys oh, yeah. think that women yeah. don't notice. Guys, guys are like, I'm sneaking a peek. And women are mm-hmm. like, and then he was talking to my boobs the whole time. And it's like, I, I heard early on women talking that way about guys. Like, oh, and then he was like talking to my, you know. And so I was like, okay, don't be that guy. So I trained myself pretty early. Like, no matter who it is, you just keep eye contact. I totally did the same thing. Whenever I talk to women, I make sure to maintain eye contact the entire time. And then when they're not so looking the, the, sneak peeks at their boobs. No, I'm not. You know, I'm, I won't be sneaking anything. But then if it maybe progresses, you know, to yeah. other stages, then when you do sneak a peek, when you're kind of private together, mm-hmm. she thinks it's cute and charming. Yeah. So so and, you can use it as And because women notice when you keep eye contact, too. That's oh, the thing yeah. I've learned. Um, they can smell so, fear. So I'll just say this, that. Sarah just has this gaggle of hot friends, and so uh, 
And, and, and she's not like you wouldn't ever. I was surprised. See, that's I, my thing because I go out of my way not to ogle no, your was, friends because that would be not, weird. I could not tell. I did not know. Like she just brought it up, like just haphazardly one day. No big deal. Oh yeah, when I got my implants, I'm like, what? See, so now I have these two warring impulses. Though one is the impulse to always maintain eye contact so that I'm not, you know, because you wish to be a gentleman. So now you're openly going to be looking at. That's my friends the thing. But now it's like now it's a question mark that's got to turn into a period. You know, it's not like I got to now I got to figure it out. So, Maybe I can just see if they can all come in and I can parade them in front of you. And right. it's tricky, too, because all her friends are very well blessed. That's, see, I didn't want to say that either. I was going to say that your friends are all uh, are very, well they're endowed. endowed. Your, yes, your, yes. Uh, yes, your female friends are all uh, very... Um, I got a good idea. Oh, God. See, that's the thing about it. I don't want to know. Even if you know or if I you don't find know, out, but I don't, I, know. I don't even guess. Because it's... No, no, not... Yeah, it's not... I'm, like, because in my own head, I'm, try, I'm kind of going through the flip cards one by one. <laughs> and I just, I can't quite make it work. That's creepy. Do you have flip cards? Well, we are a morning show, Sarah. It's about time some women were paraded in front of me. All right, well. Let's have a bikini contest. In any event, I I forget what the other creepy thing I was going to say was, but uh, anyway, so there you go. Um, So... but just to real quickly then summarize the whole thing about you and the police blotter. So yes. you and your friend Delane were on the police blotter for Pullman because you guys, while dressed in men's clothing, were standing in the middle of the street drunkenly screaming at each other late at night. And then she ran away and the cops found her hiding somewhere. And then, yeah, okay. So I didn't really see the whole thing. So I was in a, I hate talking about this, but I was in a sorority in college. What sorority, Sarah? I don't want to say. Say it. No, it was just it was, it was a it was a really snotty one that I was just like the token weird girl to make them feel like cooler about themselves. You were so they could say that they were. Uh, it's the, like look, look they at were her. Quirky. See, she's different. She's in our house. <laughs> totally, except everybody. She's an artist. Mm. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I was in her story. So De- so Delane ended up hiding in the backyard. The police went to the house, woke up the house mother. And granted, I was a freshman, so I had been in the house about a month. And I wasn't even living there at this point. They had to, they woke up the house mother, who's the one adult that lives in right. the sorority. Woke her up, and they had to go searching the property for Delane. They finally found her. They had to find her to make sure that I didn't beat her up. And then, and then the house mother um, reprimanded us, and we had to sit in front of a panel in front of like all of the seniors. Delane and I did like Animal House like style, the, mm-hmm. like the president and vice president and everyone, and um, and they put us on probation where we couldn't go out. For, like, this is month. totally like Animal House. It was like a hearing, and they told us like what an embarrassment we were to the sorority, and like you know you're freshmen, you shouldn't be doing. This. But that's kind of cool. It was kind of cool, and you know what? The seniors were super rad, and they took Delaney and I out and got us drunk every night. Yeah, because yeah. you you know what? Because you were grabbing life and living it, mm-hmm. drinking deep from the cup of existence. You were fighting the man from day one. That's what I'm saying. But, yeah, Miss or the woman. never really liked me again. All right. Well, you know, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't sound like it was a huge loss. You don't really seem like the sorority type. No, and I have to see a bunch of them that I went to. Um, school with next, I think like in a week or a week and a half because Delane's actually knocked up and it's her baby shower. Wow. And I haven't seen any of them in like five years and they all have kids and they're all married. And you haven't kept in contact I with them? I haven't kept in contact yeah. with a single damn one of them and they don't like me as much as I don't like them. It's going to be really awful. See, that's at least them stumpy legs will come in handy. And with every... And with every passing year, you know, as more of your friends get married and have kids... No, they're going like, to look at me like I'm broken. They'll be like, what's wrong Well, that's with the you? thing is, A, you will feel more alone. Uh, and, yeah, and they will think that you are defective um, because you're like, well, why, why can't she? Why doesn't she have a baby? What, what is, what's wrong with <laughs> what's, her? What, what's wrong with her womb? Is she barren? She's irresponsible. Um, <laughs> and not an adult. <laughs> look at that hair. Blue hair at her age. <laughs> Seriously. That's, but you know what? The good thing is I'm bringing Lisa with me. Ah, well, there you go. Well, that raises the bar. Yeah, Lisa's my hot tattooed friend. Covered so. in tattoos. Yes. Uh, well, look, I'll put it this way. At least at least you didn't grow up, although you grew up Catholic, but at least that's not quite as bad as growing up Mormon. Uh, because Lara goes back to, uh, you know, to Provo, and it's like she is just, uh, I mean, just an outcast like you would not believe. 
because she's now 30-something and uh, doesn't have kids and is not going to have kids. Um, and she herself is an only child, so it's like there's a whole pox on her family. Well, anyway. At least you have like a whole the, married thing going for you. Well, that's true. At least we're married, so she's no longer living in sin. Yeah, but you're, just, you weren't married in the temple, though, right? No, which means you're we were not, not sealed. You sealed? Oh. We were not sealed, which means that... Uh, what is it, for all time and eternity? Time and eternity, yes. Well done. Uh, which means that, yes, yeah, so we're married only here on Earth. We won't be together in the celestial kingdom and the whatever. So it's a, it's a whole weird thing. Will you be able to visit each other? <laughs> You mean once we're dead? Yes. No, it's like a friends and family plan that like AT&T used to have where you, if they're not on the network, you can't. It's like if you have a BlackBerry and you can send unlimited texts, but only to people who have other BlackBerries. That's what it's like. Hey, look, you promised till death do you part. What more do they want? Seriously. And I mean, look, I mean, you know. My brother got to play for a little while. I was going to say, but you know, really like, <laughs> you know, and probably, probably 50, 60, 70 years. That's probably, that's probably enough really no matter, you know, if you take a break, no matter who it is, you, you need some time off after that, I would yeah. Straight ahead, we'll talk about uh, Drag Me to Hell, and Tim Riley has more news for you, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. We'll take a moment to talk about Secret Artvark, Abanero Hot Sauce, one of our proud partners here on the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, and I did I bring did I bring a bottle for? Notice how awesome that song is. Oh, it's uh, the Hand That Feeds. Yeah, Nine Inch Nails. We were just actually during the, during that song, we were talking about how great Trent Reznor is. Mm-hmm. Trent Reznor is one of those guys who, at this point, could have become lame um, because there was that time when he put out uh, the Fragile. And it didn't do all that well, and, and it was was an okay record. But, but after the downward spiral, it was a little anticlimactic. And people were sort of wondering if he was kind of over. Uh, but he's a guy, he's had a little bit of a resurgence. I think there's a there's a Trent Reznor renaissance going on. Um, and, you know, and he, and Aaron was just talking about how you, he raised, um, he raised, raised money like, for a fan that had liver No, a heart other, problem. Heart he problem. raised like $600,000 within 48 hours. Oh, wow. And he's a guy yeah. who's really truly embraced the internet too, because yeah. he's, he did that thing of da- of making all of his tracks downloadable as instrumentals because he wanted fan remixes made yeah. and everything. He's like, so. pay, don't pay, but if yeah. you pay, here's what you'll get. Let's talk about Secret Ardvark Abanero Hot Sauce, ladies and gentlemen. You can find out more about it at secretardvark.com. They're proud supporters of the Rick Emerson Show. It's a Portland recipe. It's a Portland company, and most importantly, it's awesome. It is. Uh, it is fantastic tasting. It's hot. It's spicy, but it's got great flavor to it. And I actually set out a bottle for Sarah and a bottle for Tim, and I, I left them sitting at home. So uh, I'll, I'll bring them in on Monday. But I yeah, right. Promise. I just ate them all. I <laughs> I did take the step of taking them from the cupboard and putting them on the counter. I, I just leave forgot again the... disappointed. I... <laughs> Home. <laughs> anyway, so I guess when you get it someday, you'll be able to use it for any number of things. You can put it on uh, pizza, which I actually had sort of, I, uh, I was skeptical about it. I just didn't know if it was going to be quite my taste because it's kind of a Southwestern vibe and I didn't know how that would work. Uh, but it worked actually very, very well. Yeah, and I was uh, I was making a homemade pizza a couple nights ago and I wanted my pizza to have a little kick this time, but I didn't want to just throw in like cayenne pepper into the sauce or anything. So I mixed in some secret aardvark into the sauce mm-hmm. and it's got, you know, it's kind of got that natural sweetness and flavoring to it and it was fantastic. Because it's got, it's tomatoes and it's onions and it's vinegar and habanero and of course uh, habanero and it's uh, all chopped up, mixed together in just the right proportion, the right amount uh, and it is, uh, it really is quite wonderful. You can uh, find it at Whole Foods, you can find it uh, at Dager's. You can find it at all kinds of stores all over Portland. You can find it at lots of restaurants. They're serving it uh, more and more places every single day, but you can find out when uh, or where you can buy it, and you can find out where to buy it online as well. You go to secretartvark.com. Secret Artvark Habanero Hot Sauce. One sauce to rule them all. The Rick Emerson Show. Did he strike you as being a creepy guy who enjoyed lap dances? Well, no. Only on Rock 101. Okay. 
I, I, I don't know either. What was that? I, I couldn't really tell you. I hope you're doing a voice because that sounded. Yeah, in, really in no way could I explain what that was all about. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It is Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Friday, Friday, Friday. Don't forget, uh, tomorrow, 1 p.m. to 2.30 at Videorama on Lombard. Videorama tomorrow on Lombard, 1 to 2.30. Uh, Joel Hodgson and the rest of the cast of the original Mystery Science Theater 3000, now part of Cinematic Titanic, doing a uh, meet and greet, as they say. And apparently they uh, sign anything and everything, so you want to be there for that. And then Cinematic Titanic tonight and tomorrow. Uh, if you uh, are going to Anthony Bourdain uh, tonight, uh, you will also be able to catch Cinematic Titanic tomorrow. I think tickets still available for that, Cinematic Titanic. Dot com. Hello, Aaron Duran. Hello. All right. Drag me to hell. Big thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. It is fantastic. PG-13. Yes. Uh, well, because Sam Raimi knows how to manipulate the MPAA, mm-hmm. he knows that if you change the blood into something else, they'll let it slide. So there's, I mean, there is some blood, and there is the Sam Raimi blood flood at mm-hmm. one moment. Um, but instead of blood, sometimes you'll have bile, ah. or you'll have other different bodily fluids, and there is a fountain of bugs. <laughs> Not CGI bugs. <laughs> He fires off real bugs that the the actress Allison Lohman or whatever. Yeah, he puts her through hell, quite literally. I mean, you could tell a few times they probably had to use a stunt double because the studios are like, "Hell no, you're not throwing this actress twenty feet across the room into a puddle of bile." Yeah, oh, but it, wow. he just beats her up, and it's you can tell she has a blast doing it. Um, tonally, in terms of like between horror and comedy, this is think of this as Evil Dead one point five. Hey, excellent. Tim has a. We have sound from this, Tim. Yes, yeah, so Sam Raimi shares what this movie is about. It's all about the character of Christine, played by Austin Loman. And it starts, of course, with what she wants and the sin that she commits. But after that moment, it's all about this thing that is coming for her and this deadline that is getting coming for her and her getting more and more desperate to beat this thing from hell before her time is up. What did you want the film to look and feel like? I wanted the audience to feel what she felt. And so I wanted the camera and the, and the feeling of the movie to get more and more desperate as the picture progressed, more and more ragged, more contrast put into the picture, more uh, biting at hard-edged images, no diffusion filters by the end, no uh, softness, no pretty shots, just um, harder and harder lit, harder and harder looking and harder feeling. Here's a clip. Soon it will be you who comes begging to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was, was that confusing. That sound clip is actually is after uh, one of the most intense fight scenes in a car I have ever seen really? in my life. And again, it's all, all practical. I mean, Sam just beats the hell out of everybody in this movie. I uh, I had tried to go to the screening on uh, on Tuesday, and then I which I ended I ended up missing, and apparently it was a, the audience a little bit of a nightmare there anyway. But I but we talked to her, and she she's just such a sweet sounding. I mean, she's twenty nine, but she seems oh, yeah. way younger than that. I mean, she plays very young, um, and so apparently, yeah, I didn't know there was a fountain of bugs, but I. <laughs> Yes. I knew that there were. Uh, I knew there was bile at one point. So yeah, everybody loves bile. There's all kinds of disgusting fluids that go flying on her, out of her. <laughs> Ew! Oh no, it's great. You have to see it. It's fantastic. How can you not? Okay, I'm totally. No, it really it. is a lot of fun, and he does. I mean, it's kind of the old Sam Raimi trappings. He attaches her to, you know. Cranes and spins her around the room and pummels her and fantastic, good fun. Right, what else is going on at GeekInTheCity.com? Right now we have the new episode of Geek in the City Radio up where I go even more in depth in uh, Drag Me to Hell and uh, Dan Clark reviews Pixar's Up, 
which is kind of pretty much a critic-proof movie anymore. Yeah. Pixar, win. It's such a strong brand. Yeah. And uh, I give the full detailed report about the screener crowd that you wisely avoided. I, yeah, I missed the screening on Tuesday, but I talked to Mike Russell from The Oregonian who said that it was actually the worst crowd he had ever sat Here's in. Here's a little say t- I got sneezed on. <laughs> so <laughs> He said he moved three times, and every time he ended up sitting behind somebody worse. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, Aaron Duran, ladies and gentlemen, from geekinthecity.com. Straight ahead, news from Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, who told us he has something awful and terrible, and they're the same thing. This is Bad Religion. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO, live from Portland, Oregon. This is the Rick Emerson Show. If you want someone to stick needles in your body, they'll do it for free. On Rock 101 KUFO. Uh-huh. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. We are here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so the Rose Festival continues this weekend and then next weekend and the weekend after that forever and ever and ever. Yes, until all the roses are dead. When is, when is the... Sorry, I mean to snort right into your ear like that. When is the uh, parade happening? That's this weekend. Is that this weekend? It's tomorrow night. Oh, for the the Starlight Parade. I mean, it's a great, it's a glorious thing Make for sure us. Make sure you bring the whole family and grandma. <sighs> Can I ask this question? Are we paying for that? Does the parade well, cost us sponsors. money? No, it, ha- it has sponsors. Is it being totally underwritten? This isn't being paid for by we the taxpayers, is it? I don't think so. All right, I'm just checking. If it is, we could always close down the blind school. <laughs> that one's already closed, Tim. Oh, I'm We sorry. have to find something else. Maybe we can sell it. Maybe something for kids on crutches. We can close that next. It is the Rick Emerson Show, and this is Tim Riley. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 844. It's going to be a beautiful Sunday weekend for the Rose Festival in the 80s each and every day. Mayor Adams has turned down the 2% raise hike. Well, he could have had it. He's joined by Councillor Nick Fish and Commissioner Amanda Fritz, who do not want raises. Some uh, do want raises. They just happen to be Commissioner Randy Leonard and Dan Saltzman. Shame on them. Well, with every Mayor Adams story comes the obligatory bull breed love story, and we have one. Uh, perfect timing, like it wasn't planned. Uh, he has requested a restraining order against an Oregonian newspaper reporter he claims contact with Brent Walt has been threatening. Alleged uh, Walt said he would uh, publish damaging information about him unless he agreed to be interviewed, and he was, and it was published. Walt's editor claims this is all very absurd. Well, you know, we had when we did that interview with Bo Breedlove, which you can see at KUFO.com, and there were, it wasn't just the Oregonian, it was the Willamette, too. He was very, he was opposed to print media in all its various forms. He was not a fan. Well, here's Tim Riley. That's why I try not to write anything. Well, a woman has fa- fallen 150 feet while taking a potty break. 19-year-old Whitney Long begged your friends, please pull over, I have to go right now. Now she's going to be embarrassed forever. After she fell into bushes 150 feet down a ditch, it took rescuers several hours to untangle her from the bush. Uh, to make matters worse, she and her friends have been ticketed for underage drinking. Oh, it's official. Bristol Palin and Levi Johnson are done. Over. How was that done? Well, Sarah Palin and her husband, Todd, bribed her with a brand new pickup truck if she would dump him. <laughs> she took the bait. Awesome. Oh, that's great. Then there's this. Wichita, Kansas. Is this a bad story? Kind of. Is this a great story? Yes. Wonderful. A handful of people are lucky to be alive after a bizarre mix-up at the Kansas Zoo. Uh, Several people ate blue snow cones covered with degreaser instead of the blue snow cone flavoring. Wow. Okay, fortunately, nobody's majorly hurt. The zoo apologizes. 
you see a worker had accidentally stuck the degreaser next to the blue snow cone flavor. It looks just and like somebody grabbed and sweet, the wrong, Tim. Somebody grabbed the wrong hose ah, and did it for quite some time. No. Oh, awful. Oh, all right. Uh, and so now the zoo is going to get rid of those blue snow cones because, well, people aren't very bright. No, I mean. Making the snow cones. But, I mean, how would you, I don't understand. How would the two even put, end up next to each other? Well, the worker who was working with the degreaser accidentally left it next to the blue snow cone flavor. But do you see? Okay, but uh, right, okay, but do you understand what I mean when I, I say I do. like how is it that the degreasing guy and his equipment are somehow right next to where the snow cone ingredients are put? That is too bad. Doesn't it seem like they would at least be on different shelves or something, uh-huh. or you know, maybe it, not it, in the same room? It wouldn't seem that way, wouldn't it? Yes. All right. Uh, are we doing a clergy watch here? Yes, we are. How did you know? Because uh, Sarah mouthed the words. I think she was afraid that I would forget. Here's her clergy watch for Friday. Here's Tim Riley with Friday's clergy watch. Now, originally, I called him Father. Alberto Cutie, because that's the way it's spelled, but it's spelled, it's a pronounced Coutier. He likes the French pronunciation. He's been making headlines uh, when the entertainment magazine TV Notices, I guess it's a Spanish TV magazine down in Miami, publish photos of him and a woman frolicking on a beach. Now, you keep saying a woman, and I haven't, I keep it is a woman. W O M A N. I'll say it again <laughs> W O M A N. <laughs> Even at this late hour, the 40-year-old priest who is known for oh, yes the 40-year-old priest who is known for giving relationship advice in Spanish language and newspapers, TV shows and radio programs. Are you under the counter? I don't know where he went. So Why is he laughing like a lady? I don't know. He ah! has to leave this church. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. My personal struggle should in no way tarnish the many faithful brother priests who are celibate and are faithful to the commitment that they made. Are we almost done. I smell I the nineties in the room. Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know why. I mean, it was obviously a very funny remark. I don't know why that struck me as quite so unbelievably it's hilarious. In the last thing of the week. Darn it all. Oh. No, it's a, it's a good way to... Well, Tim, right, it's he, good to laugh. He has an eye for the ladies. Ugh. I know it's rare, but he does. All right, so he, he... has to quit. So they got these photographs of him... And a woman. Frolicking on the beach. Yes. And they confronted him with it. And so what is... So he... But he didn't... He said he was sorry. He's fallen in love with a woman. So he... Uh, now, did I read that he's going to stay a, a priest, but he's not going to be Catholic? Like, he's he's going to become an Episcopalian priest? Because you can marry, I think, if you're Episcopalian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Isn't that a whole different faith, though? I see, I is. don't really know how that works. Like, you don't have to have a vow of celibacy. Yeah, but yeah, I think you can get married. I mean, they're both Christian faiths, but it's different. I mean, they have a different dogma yeah, than the Catholic Church. Yeah, because being Christian is different than being a Catholic. Right. Yeah, I mean, Catholicism is a stripe of Christianity. But it does have, like, I mean, there's, like, the whole Mary factor, and there's, like, it's a yeah. different religion. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Well, maybe the Episcopalians figure, you know what it is? Maybe it's like when, uh, maybe it's like when an athlete gets cut for doping. But another team figures, like, you know, they, they need the attention. Like, it's a high-profile thing, and so they figure that they'll get him to get a little bit of attention, you know, to get a little, uh, to get a little uh, you know, spotlight on them. 
I mean, maybe. I don't know how that works. It, it's the it, – well, you know what it is? It's like – um. Like, what's her name? I, I forget the woman's actual name, but the woman who is the Roe in Roe v. Wade, uh, she was the, the the woman who went to the Supreme Court, the abortion, whatever. Uh, well, you know, she's now a member of some, like, really hardcore right-wing Christian church, even though she's a lesbian uh, and, uh, and you know, she's been in this lesbian relationship for, like, 20 years. But the church sort of turns a blind eye to that because she's such a trophy for them to have the abortion rights woman, like, as a member of their church because she's now opposed to abortion and whatever. Um, so... So maybe that's something with the Episcopalians. Maybe they figure he's just, you know, he's famous enough that they're willing to overlook the fact that he's, you know, actually a Catholic priest. And uh, North Korea continues to fire off rockets, and they're just begging to be nuked. Yeah, they really are. They're going to get it, perhaps by Monday. Well, we can hope to. There's your clergy watch for uh, Friday on the Rick Emerson Show. Because I got to have Just one final thing about your W-O-M-A-N joke. That is, like, triply funny to me because, A, I think I'm a little delirious at this point. Not that you're not an amusing fellow, but also (laughs) because I just didn't see it coming. I walked right into it, and I didn't see it coming until I was already, till the joke was upon me, which is the best way, which is the best way for it to happen. Also, because every time I hear that W-O-M-A-N, say it again thing, I remember the episode of The Muppet Show where Bo Derek and Miss Piggy were singing that song together for some reason. So then it was like a whole weird Bo Derek, Miss Piggy, Tim Riley kind of a thing happening all at once late on a Friday. And I think I had too much sleeping medication last night as well. So, you know, there's that playing into it. What are you going to do? You go to the Rose Festival. That's what you do. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's never, that's, that's not a thing I'm ever going to do. Uh, uh, because it's too uh, filled with people who are having fun and so forth. All right. Uh, we want to thank Cena Radio correspondents Jim Roop, uh, Lisa Desjardins, and Steve Kastenbaum joining us today, as well as Aaron Geek in the city, uh, Duran. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day with the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dylan for Rock 101, KUFO in the newsroom, Tim Riley on the phones, Greg Nibbler of the Nibblonians, the gatekeeper, Dave Zinn, the webmistress, Bridget from upstairs, CBS Radio, Portland marketing guru, Susan Don't F With Me Reynolds, executive producer, Christopher J. Paddock. Smells like the 90s is next with their good friend Buzz. Uh, thank you for listening. Be safe. See you all on Monday. It is Friday, May 29th, 2009, and that is The Frequency, Kenneth. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening. KUFO Portland!